This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily on a glorious day here in the peg on the final day of May. Great to have you all with us. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus for the next couple hours. We've got a busy show today. Um, we're going to head down to South Florida. Not too many individuals. You can talk Stanley Cup final in the market as well as the upcoming CFL season. But we got a guy. Our pal Rod Peterson is going to jump on. Uh, Rod, getting ready for the Panthers and Golden Knights down in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, Rod also all over the Canadian Football League season. So a perfect time to get Hot Rod in on the program. Looking forward to that. Uh, we're also going to have Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Got a chance to sit right by Scott for the big Seabears opener on the weekend. Look forward to getting his take on what he saw that night as well as a little bit more on the offseason in the National Hockey League and the long to-do list for Kevin Sheveldayoff. And a little different than normal. Often we speak with the great Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on Friday, but we've got a couple things already planned for Friday, setting up game one of the finals and, of course, bomber preseason action. So the Saw is going to join us today. Uh, some interesting news around the National Football League. We'll also uh, talk maybe a little bit of baseball and get Lee's thoughts on the finals in both the Stanley Cup and the National Basketball Association. Um, great to have you all with us, folks. If you're just finding us right now, welcome to the show and the program. Hit that red subscribe button for those of you that have found us on YouTube. We're here every day, 1 p.m. Central Time. And, of course, give us a thumbs up while you're here on YouTube. If you do want to find the audio podcast, for those of you who are on YouTube, Get on over to your favorite podcast feed and just simply search Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, join us. Uh, that basically, we've got that thing ready for you about 3.30, just in time for your ride home for those of you that jump on the audio feed of the program. Uh, just before we bring in Remo, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our great partners at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Assiniboia Downs, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershops, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course, Little Brown Jug, who I did mention at the end of the show, but if you missed it yesterday, great news for Bomber fans, Little Brown Jug, an official partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and 1919 will be available. Their flagship brand at Bomber Games beginning this Friday when the team hosts the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for the final preseason action before next Friday and the home opener against Bo Levi Mitchell and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Let's get to it and get Michael Remus in here. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling good. It's a hot one. Out there again, but here I am in my basement in a hoodie. Feel, feels weird, but uh, I'm, I guess I'm, I'll, I'll take it. But uh, I see a lot of people in chat has today right, right off the top reminding everyone, May 31, it's the 12th anniversary of the return of the Winnipeg Jets. I got to be honest, I don't know how much this was on my radar. I remember like the first year, you know, anniversary, the second year. We're into year 12 and... I don't know. It's called, the Jets have caused a lot of people to pull their hair out over the last couple of years here, but 
I think we all are appreciative of having uh, the team back in the city. And it does bring back some positive memories thinking about this day where you were 12 years ago. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, for all the consternation and uh, the takes that people have on what's happening with the club, May 31st is always a day I think we can, um, you know, to your point, be thankful that we've got these conversations. We've got a team to pull our hair out about. Uh, certainly would be nice if the team was still playing right now, but there's 30 teams in the National Hockey League that don't have that opportunity and only the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be dropping the puck and playing for hockey's ultimate prize. Um, but it is interesting when you think back to, you know, 12 years ago, that um, press conference downtown at, at the time, I believe, was still MTS Center uh, with Commissioner Gary Bettman, of course, Mark Chipman, David Thompson, and um, are really, I mean, one of the most historic days in the history of sports in our city. And, uh, you know, listen, it's still, it's 10 years, it's 12 years later. There's been some highs, there's been some lows. Uh, and despite, I think, obviously, some real challenges for the organization right now and trying to re-energize the fan base and get a few more butts in seats and certainly build up maybe that, that corporate support that um, was cited as a, a real area that they needed to improve on. Um, the bottom line is uh, we're uh, a member of the National Hockey League, one of the smallest markets, and uh, still enjoying everything that comes with having uh, having a team. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, we're talking a lot about you know this upcoming final. There's a lot going on around the league right now, but in these 12 years of Winnipeg Jets hockey, since well 12 years ago today, I'm not sure that we have a more interesting month ahead of us at any point in the last 12 years than what's to come in June based on everything that's happened with this club over the last few seasons and the obvious contract situations with some of the most important players on the Winnipeg Jets. Oh yeah and it started off um, was it a couple weeks ago in the athletic where Michael Russo and Eric Duhatchik had you know a number of Jets four of <laughs> The eight top, what, eight spots on their trade list. And we haven't really seen any other trade lists this offseason. We're occupied by the Jets. So we're kind of waiting for something to happen. Although I do see people in chat who seem convinced that they're just going to bring everyone back and try it again this year. I'm not sure how you do that with a couple guys you know, a year away from free agency. Everyone, and then just lose everybody back. Like I hear those takes. Um, I mean... How? <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, listen, I certainly, and I don't think there's many people plugged in that think that that is the way the Winnipeg Jets are going to go, or frankly, or they can't. I mean, you know, we can talk about their patience when it comes to situations. And I've certainly made the point for a long time that I think the amount of time it's taken to make some moves on a couple of these key players maybe will hamper the return of what would have been available a year or a year two ago. Obviously, I'm speaking about specifically Mark Shifley, but potentially Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, considering he is likely on the way out. Um, but all that being said, Remo, um, there is going to be um, some huge decisions by this organization. And I would imagine that the majority of the day right now for the general manager and Winnipeg Jets management, in addition to preparing for the draft and free agency, uh, a lot of calls with agents 
as well as probably other general managers. And and now I, I don't expect anything really to happen, to be honest, for the next couple of weeks. But I can tell you what, the second that that Stanley Cup is handed out to either the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers, I think then the dominoes start to drop. And like we talked yesterday with Mike, um, I'm not sure that all this stuff can even wait until the week in Nashville because you've got free agency two days after the draft on the 1st of July on the Saturday of that week. And I mean, we're talking about the future of Dubois, of Mark Shifley, of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, those three key parts of the of the Winnipeg Jets. And deals involving any of those players don't just happen overnight. And I think that's a big part of everything that uh, is happening behind the scenes right now as they try to see what the best offers are and decide the best course of action when it comes to these very important assets. Yeah, I, I agree. You know that you know they're having meetings, they're having conversations, evaluating their options, all the things that... Um, you know, General Manager Kevin Cheveldayoff says they do before making uh, such a big franchise-changing decision. And I imagine stuff's going to ramp up after the Cup Final, um, before the draft, and maybe maybe even before free agency. You know, it's funny, you talk, we were talking with Ken last week about possible trade partners, and he suggested Carolina, and that's another team where Don Waddell came out and said, hey, they're going to have to look at, I don't know, came out and looked, said they look at some uh, some trades. Um, so I don't know if there's a, a fit there. I was like, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, there's going to be activity. Uh, the, although the only activity right now has is uh, with the front office and behind the bench. But for the Jets, pretty clear uh, they got those positions settled in. Bonus coming back, Dayoff's the GM, and it's all the players. The big, the what, the core four? What are we calling this four group of four guys? One year away from. Free agency at RFA or UFA. You got Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck. But also, we haven't even talked about Dylan and DeMello, who also have a year remaining. And I do wonder if one of, and we've talked about the need to move a defenseman too. It's kind of put on the back burner, you know, away from these guys. You have, you know, 6D already, plus Logan Stanley, Billy Hanela, and Declan Chisholm. Are you going to have another, uh, it's, you know, it's become like a, what, a verb? A, you're going to have a Kovacevic? Go on with uh, Declan Chisholm. What's going to happen there? So the, I think, you know, aside from the those core four, or whatever the name is, you do have other guys who could uh, be in the mix too. Yeah, uh, listen, the, the blue line is something that doesn't get maybe the attention that a Shifley, a Dubois, a Hellebuck situation gets, but it is a big, big part of the equation. And, you know, there are some assets the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to manage differently this year. Uh, and that is all just part of the challenges. The one thing I'll say that hopefully works in the Jets' favor is the fact that the free agent class is so relatively weak to what we've seen in previous years, um, and the fact that there won't be those sort of players on the market right now um, to get simply for cash, I think might make a little bit more of a... Uh, an energetic trade market, if you will, and hopefully that's a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets considering the assets that they may very well have to move out. Uh, we'll talk more about this later on. And just quickly, Reem, um, I hit you with this beforehand. Here's your why not question of the day, folks. If you're with us on YouTube, no looking. Who can tell me who the longest tenured general manager is in the National Hockey League. I'll give you a hint. It's not Kevin Sheveldayoff. He's the second longest tenured GM. 
But now with Barry Trotz taking over for David Poyle, there's only one GM in the National Hockey League that's been on the job for longer than Kevin Sheveldayoff. Who is that? Get us up in the Why Not Question of the Day. Let us know in the chat. All right. Uh, really looking forward to getting Rod Peterson on here in just a second. Talk a little cup final as well as the upcoming CFL season with Rod. And I'm sure he's got takes on a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, but I do want to thank our friends at Modern Man Barbershops who just had a big grand opening for the new Plessy location on the weekend. Modern Man Barbershops is now eight locations in Winnipeg. So there's somewhere convenient around you to get the best haircuts and services for men, including cuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and you can follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Uh, with this gorgeous weather right now, everyone's feeling summer. The CFL is back right now and it feels like summer with these temperatures. Make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renos start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, speaking of summer, uh, we're done boosting cars and having Donnie and Manitoba Battery deliver batteries for your dead vehicle over the course of the winter. Now it's time to have some fun. And whether you need a battery for your lawnmower, a Sea-Doo, a tractor, uh, a boat, whatever you need, Manitoba Battery's got it. You'll be shopping local. You'll be saving money on the big box stores. And Manitoba Battery will deliver it anywhere in town with a purchase of $60 or more for free. No more waiting in lines at the big box stores. Uh, and you'll be able to shop local, get the best service and the best prices in town for all your battery needs. 1026 Logan Avenue if you want to pop down and see them or check them out online with everything that they've got available at manitobabattery.com. And just before we bring in Hot Rod, we're back at IG Field on Friday. And you know what that means, folks? See at the Rum Hut at halftime, uh, our friends at Canadian Club are ready for another bomber season is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. And don't forget Canadian Club in Ginger Ale pre-mixed cocktails available at the park on Friday night and for the home opener and throughout the season. And you can also pick it up for your tailgate or just for the weekend now in 473 milliliter cans at your local liquor mart or beer vendor. All right. Let's head down to South FLA. Stanley Cup final coming up and uh, obviously a CFL season right around the corner. The host of the Rod Peterson Show joins us now from uh, Southern RPHQ. What's going on, Hot Rod? How are you? Good to hear from you, my man. All this talk about summer's here and winter's behind us. I'm like, we're going to Florida. I've been waiting for two minutes for you to come down here, man, <laughs> where, it's, where it's endless summer. And hockey's still going. Unbelievable, eh? You know what? Uh, it, it really is. And, you know, we had about four days of spring here. Um, you know, we had a brutal cold March and April. And then it seemed like we got into about the middle of May. And bang, the next thing you know, it's 29, 30 degrees every day. And we're here for it. There's a ton of excitement about the upcoming CFL season, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but let's talk about what's going on in your backyard I mean, almost an unprecedented run 
for South Florida sports right now, Rod? I mean, I know you're more oh. of a hockey guy than a basketball guy, but I mean, if you're a sports fan or doing a daily show on one of the sports talk shows, no shortage of storylines with the Panthers going to the cup final. And then on the other days for the next two weeks, the Miami Heat playing for the NBA championship. You know, it's kind of been a season of first for the entire NHL, but especially here in Florida. And it's like you say, every day there's something new is being done. Like when Florida and Miami, they clinched on the same night, I believe. There's never been two eighth seeds clinch on the same night. I mean, all I've been hearing it every day and I've been hearing it for six weeks. So I'm trying to keep everything straight, Hus. I mean, it would have just, if, if the Panthers alone, what they've done is history making, right? To, to, to not be in a playoff spot for 72% of the year. But then at the end of the season, claim a playoff spot and get in there. They've never swept anybody before till now, you know, when they did it with Carolina in the Eastern conference finals. So this, this yeah, I'm not, the biggest basketball guy, but I have so many people saying to me, what's it like down there right now? Well, people wear their heat stuff year round. You know, I've been coming on your show. I've been here two years. You wouldn't really know anything's new with the heat, but there's a lot of new Panthers fans, Hus. Well, and, <laughs> that and wouldn't you know surprise you. There should be. And listen, I mean, yeah. I know that market and listen, I've said Miami and South Florida fans are some of the worst in sports <laughs> at times because they'll jump on a bandwagon, but a lot of times they aren't necessarily there. But listen, it's been a it's been a challenge, um, you know, to really establish that team. And there's been some ups and downs and they haven't had the success that, for instance, the Tampa Bay Lightning have had very, very healthy franchise, of course, that, you know, really sort of raised the bar in the Eastern Conference as the team to beat for the last few years. But I think the nature of this run to the cup final maybe does even more for a franchise like the Panthers, Rod, when you think that. You know, they won the President's Trophy last year, lost to their rivals, got bounced out, and then had one of the most noteworthy off-seasons in recent NHL history, you know, changing the coach, hiring Maurice, making the Matthew Kachuk trade, and then for the majority of this season, not playing up to the expectations. I mean, you called it. I mean, Buddy Robinson, our old pal Buddy from the Moose, scores a goal for the Blackhawks in Pittsburgh to open the door for the Panthers to come in. They got in as the eighth seed, the lowest point total of any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I really think back to that save that Bob made on Brad Marchand at the end oh. of game five, literally a season-saving save. From that moment, they've been on a magic carpet ride right now. And, uh, I mean, you watch this team very closely all year long. Uh, be honest, how shocked or how surprised are no. you that we're talking about <laughs> this team playing Vegas for the Cup? Your audience has known my act a long time as have you i say the bold things and stuff a lot of times i don't even believe all of it but i had counted them out at christmas and i was on record at saying they're done they're playing terrible and then around new year something flipped and they were playing a different style of hockey more desperation than anything andrew but then going into the playoff i remember i was coming back to canada there was 20 games left in the regular season. And Randy Moeller's the longtime, as you know, TV color guy, the Panthers, and we've become really good friends. And he's like, Rod, this is in the press box. He goes, we need to go 15 and five the rest of the way to make the playoffs. And in my mind, I'm like, there's no way. They're done. So I wrote them off then. And then they go into, listen, you saw the point differential when they went into round one. 
It was the biggest point differential in NHL history. In NHL history. You know all this. Best of seven series. It's never before been done. So when you rattle off all those things, Andrew, they don't need to apologize for getting in on the last weekend. They, I'm not speaking for them. They feel they don't need to apologize for that or the Bob save or not being in the playoffs for 72% of the regular season. They don't have to apologize for anything. But what I noticed, you talk about me going to the games. I watch a lot of times from ice level. They were playing with no pressure. All along, they were down 3-1 to Boston, dude. Let's not forget that. And then, and then the second they won that series and went up against Toronto, it was the Leafs that were feeling all the pressure. I could see it in their faces. And Carolina literally didn't know what hit them. That was Bob's series. Bob won them that series. And Matthew Kachuk, and I just clicked on an article here. Maybe it's because I'm in South Florida, but it came up on Yahoo. <coughs> Is Matthew Kachuk the next face of the NHL? And I'm like, Pumped up breaks a little bit. I mean, he's, he's having a great playoff. He's not even the Conn Smythe winner. Bob is, if you were to hand it out today. But it's just it's just a remarkable run. They're having fun. And I noticed probably in January just how much fun they're having. They love each other. They're having fun going to the rink. I don't know how um, – I assume you've talked a little bit about Pomo having the last laugh, right? I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, there's plenty of plenty of talk about Maurice. Um and listen, it's probably a little bit of a different conversation in this market because of how long he was with the Winnipeg Jets and the way things finished up. But I'll say this, and we'll get back to Kachuk in a minute. But as far as Paul Maurice goes, um, you know, Maurice was taking a lot of heat throughout the season. And um, mm-hmm. he's looking pretty good right now. Uh, Mike Kelly of the NHL Network did a great breakdown on some of the things that Paul Maurice had been working on to change from that Panthers team that won the President's Trophy last year that didn't work in the playoffs. I mean, they're far more willing to dump the puck in, to dump the puck out. I mean, before they were a pretty flashy offensive team that doesn't always work in the postseason. And right now, Rod, I mean, I think we're seeing a team that is buying in 100% to the message of their head coach. And uh, now, at the most important time of the year, they're seeing the results of it. Well, what I heard in December when I was at the games and was writing them off, and by the way, they told me that they're following everything that I say. They think it's funny that they've jammed it where the sun doesn't shine on me, which is great. I'm okay with eating my words. Believe me, I am. But what they said in December was, we're learning a new system, which is what you just said. We're learning to play defense. We're learning all of that. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. They weren't that much better in the second half. But what they did was uh, play like their lives depended on it every shift. That's what changed. Their effort changed in the second half. And uh, the other thing that I would say is this, because I was here in the playoffs last year too. When they went up against Tampa Bay, and round two, again, I watched warm-ups from ice level, and I'm like, oh, they're, they're done. They're playing a team of men. Tampa Bay's names, I'm like, their names are Steven and Victor and Patrick. They're men. And the Panthers were a team of Mason and Carter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're kids. Uh, the Lightning had, you know, gray and white beards. I'm like, this is over. And it was over. They, uh, Vasilevsky out, goaltended Bob. It was a sweep. So as much as Pomo's done great things, and believe me, he has, losing to Tampa in round two last year was embarrassing for them. And let's not forget, Joel Quenville was the head coach when I first came here, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then he was, forced, right, he was forced to step down. Andrew Burnett takes over and literally doesn't screw it up, right? Gets him a president's trophy. They got out of round one into round two, but he wasn't retained. 
the Panthers didn't obviously like what Andrew Burnett was selling with this team, incidentally, and ironically hired as head coach in Nashville. So, so Pomo said, I'll give Pomo a lot of credit, and I know him, not as well as you do, but he's a good guy, right? And he's a great coach, and he was honest. He goes, I came to Florida, and I didn't change anything, uh, culture-wise. He goes, I walked into a great culture. They'd always had a great culture. He goes, I just didn't screw it up. And that part's true. He just taught him to play defense. He walked into a great situation. And I like his honesty, too, by the way, where he said, coaching in Winnipeg, I didn't want to coach hockey anymore. You know, because so many people asked him, why did what happened with Florida? And he's like, Bill Zito called me one day. Didn't he say he was fishing? Yeah. And Zito called him and said, would you consider coming down here? I'm like, I know the feeling. It's why I'm sitting in Florida, for God's sake. So I get what Pomo's saying. It's just the second chances are a great thing, man. And I hope they finish it off. I People are were writing into my show today saying, who's the underdog? Who's the favorite? And I'm like, come on, Stevie Wonder can see. Vegas is by far the favorites. I mean, that's at what point do we start talking about the matchup or maybe you already have? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I think, you know, over the next couple of days, you really will dive into it. But I mean, right now, you know, credit to Vegas and the run that they've on. I'm with you. I mean, I think they're a more complete team and I think they are the favorite. However, um, my biggest question is that what this, what will this break do to the Panthers mm-hmm. and particularly Bobrovsky? Because Bob has been playing I mean, in another galaxy, um, you know, he, yes. it was just absolutely incredible. That performance. I mean, arguably one of the greatest single series goaltending performances in NHL history. And that's a big reason why they're there. But Matthew Kachuk's a big part of it. And you mentioned, you know, about him potentially being sort of a face of the NHL. And I'm sort of with you. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. Kachuk. But then you look, he's going to be a finalist for the Hart trophy back to back a hundred point seasons and the thing about Matthew Kachuk is that he's got a personality that separates him from most of the other guys in that conversation. Like, I don't know if you saw Kachuk on the NBA pregame. Of course. With Barkley and Shaq and all times. that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. hilarious. And I sat there with my buddies watching it. And I'm like, can you imagine Connor McDavid in this situation? <laughs> I mean, it would have been no, not even close. Like, listen... When he's on the other team, he's a guy you absolutely love to hate, and he'll drive you crazy. But he's an incredible player. He is a unicorn as a player, as Bill Vizito said, why they did what they had to do to get him there. But he also, from a marketing standpoint, as a character, like if you're not involved, if you don't hate the guy's guts because he plays against your team, he's about as good of an ambassador as hockey has right now because, frankly, the bar isn't set very high personality-wise with the number of the top players in the game. I can't remember who I was with the other night. It was a hockey guy here. Believe me, they they do exist here, Andrew. Yeah, believe it or not. I know. And he was like, he goes, Chucky. Oh, it was, it was Jeff Chickren. We were sitting there watching the game four against Carolina. He goes, he's cut out the cheap shit. Can I say that? He's like, he's not taking the cheap penalties and putting his team down in 10-minute misconducts that he was in Calgary. That was from Chickren. He's like, he's grown up since he came here. And there's something to be said about a fit for certain people, like, Peter Labardius, we all know Lou and love him. I had Lou on my show last week, and I said, how does it feel to watch Chucky doing what he's doing? And you're sitting in Calgary, and he goes, to be honest, it hurts. It hurts. He goes, but he wasn't all in here. And Lou was honest. He goes, Matthew likes the spotlight, but not too much spotlight. And I get it, man. You get it in Winnipeg with, like, Matthew could have never gone anywhere in Calgary, especially when he became a star. But I was here in August 
maybe it was September when uh, they started advertising the season. Kachuk, Andrew, was on every billboard, every ad, every social media point. He became the face of the Panthers immediately, which kind of shocked me a little bit. But that's pressure, too. And he's lived up to that. But when he leaves his house here, he's getting his ass kissed. It's different than Calgary, where they're one a piece of him and wanted to talk hockey. Here they did, they're just celebrating him. Maybe it'll get old here at some point. I'm not sure. But leading into the All-Star Week, on the radio here, you talked about the media here and stuff. They were talking about Matthew Kachuk being the mayor of NHL All-Star Week. He's an American player. The game's in his backyard. He's a leading scorer in the Panthers. And what did he do? He went out and was the MVP of the game. So you got to give him credit. It's just a better fit for him. Calgary became not a fit. This is a fit. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this series plays out. Because right now it's between Bobrovsky and Kachuk for Conn Smythe. And it would be Bob right now if you put it to a vote. But there's still four more wins to go, baby. Well, there is. I mean, I tell you what, if he scores a few more OT winners in the cup final, um, that could flip um, because, I mean, it really is a two-horse race right now. Yep. There's not really anyone on Vegas that's sort of, I mean, Jack Eichel's there, but I could see, I mean, Marcia so If Marcia so does that same thing, he'll be in the mix right now. I think he's 6-1 to one on the uh, on the odds boards heading into, uh, heading into the final. I'm sorry, can I ask you something? I mean, I know there's the Manitoba connection to the Golden Knights. You're all going to be watching anyways because you're a hockey city, but do you think Canada's into this series? Because I'm hearing it a lot that they won't be. And I'm like, I, I don't believe that. I think people say it, but I think they're yeah. going to watch. And there's just unbelievable storylines. We just covered the Florida one, but with Vegas, did you see the clip they showed the other day of Bill Foley the night they introduced the team or announced the team? He's like, they're <laughs> like, how long before a Stanley Cup? He goes, well, some said seven years. I'm saying six. Yeah. <laughs> Here they are. I'd be, if I was Paul, I'd be showing that in the in the dressing room. Probably already has. Oh, believe me. Maurice will have that thing queued up. He'll probably do it before practice, after practice, before the game. <laughs> Anything that he can get to make that happen. Hey, just before we get to the CFL, um, you've done a number of shows in Calgary. I mean, you've talked Flames quite a bit. Uh, it is quite wild if you rewound to two or three months ago with where the Flames were in the season that they had that it would be tree to leave first, probably because they were planning on keeping Daryl Sutter. Sutter then being shown the door after Treleving being gone, and now reportedly Brad Treleving going to get the GM job in Toronto after everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks with the blue and white. What a Honestly, crazy couple months for him. Oh, for sure. But if you unpack it a little bit, it's not that crazy. And you're right. I spent five months in Calgary in the last year. Um, so yeah, doing our show from the casino there. This is what I know. Daryl Sutter was the owner's guy, Murray Edwards, and there was a power struggle between Daryl and Brad. I don't think any of that is news, but when tree living, sorry, when the season ended, tree living was basically fired. Daryl won the power struggle, which nobody's surprised. He's Daryl Sutter, but two things happened. The avalanche of negativity in the city and reaction from the fans, the media, and then their own players in the exit meetings, it was over. Those players wouldn't play for Daryl. I'm not saying all of them, but enough of them. So the plan was to keep Daryl. He won the power struggle. But the avalanche of response after Brad was fired is what led to Daryl being fired. And I don't think, Andrew, anybody could have predicted that. I saw Eric Francis predicting mass carnage with the Flames this summer. This was like with a month to go in the regular season. I'm like, how could you... 
predict that? How do you know? They could have still made the playoffs at that time, right? They were in that battle with the Jets for the final playoff spot. But he was he was right. He was right. So in retrospect, I think Brad Tree Living did a great job. They should have won the Huberdeau Uyghur Kachuk trade. They should have won it. And and Kachuk didn't like playing for Daryl, which it's a longer t- conversation than we have time for now. But with what I've just explained to you, hopefully it makes a little more sense because that's what I believe happened in Calgary. Yeah, well, and, and I'll say this. Um, you know, there are pros and cons to bringing in a taskmaster like Daryl Sutter. And, you know, listen, they had an incredible season last year. Obviously fell up short in the Battle of Alberta. But there is a uh, there's a shelf life of that message. And, you know, part of the part of the downside of that, Rod, is pretty tough to convince a player like a Matthew Kachuk to sign up for another eight years if they're not really vibing with the guy that's uh, on their ass 24-7. And I think that is another part of the reason why they felt they had to move on even after Brad Treleving was gone. Well, and actually, don't forget this. It took a while for Daryl to be fired. It took a while for Brad to be fired. And then Daryl, a couple of weeks after that, Kachuk was lighting it up in these playoffs. Don't think that wasn't a factor. It had to be a factor. It just made Daryl look bad because, to be honest, I get it. When players leave a team, a lot of people will shit talk them on their way out of town. And there were people with a flame saying, Kachuk can't skate. He didn't want to be here. Blah, 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 blah. It was pretty easy to convince it was time to move on from Kachuk based on the fact that he checked out of the playoffs last year against Dallas. He was a no-show. He was a different player. You know what I'm saying? So he lights it up here in Florida, especially in the playoffs, I'm sure exacerbated the house cleaning at the top. Yeah. Um, and then just quickly going, what, what did you make of uh, two weeks ago in Toronto? I mean, you know, they finally win it round. And then Dubas has his press conference. And then later on that week, he's out after all the reports where he was staying. And now, as the Leafs have just made official, Brad Treleving is the guy that will be taking over uh, under maybe the brightest lights as when it comes to a GM job in the NHL. Kyle Dubas was hired as GM at 32, should have never been hired in the first place. So when you ask me, what do I make of it? It was been a gong show ever since. I don't even know how Brendan Shanahan keeps his job. But I'm kind of sitting back watching the Jets going, there's more there than meets the eye? I don't even know. With the Leafs, there's got to be a ton of stuff that I don't know. because, Or any of us know. Because I thought them winning a round, beating Tampa was enough, Andrew. I thought we all thought that was enough for everybody to keep their job, wasn't it? Well, uh, was it, it, it seemed that way yeah. too. And then, and then yeah. literally what he said in that press conference and what apparently went on behind the scenes that Shanahan was open about when he spoke, which was very strange for any person in that position, but especially in Toronto. Uh, it's been a crazy few weeks. As far as the Jets go, Rod, um, you know, I think things are going to be quiet for a couple of weeks, you know, through the cup final as normally happens. But there is so much. We were just saying this is the 12th anniversary today of the announcement that the Thrashers were becoming the Winnipeg Jets. Wow. And I don't think there has ever been a month on the calendar where more could happen, more is expected to happen than right now. And listen, Shevel Dayoff has never been a guy that has been, um, shall we say, uh, making you know huge moves. They've tried to build their team in a certain way based on the market and the challenges and grow that up. But when you've got Shifley, when you've got Dubois, when you've got Hellebuck all with one year left on their contract and major questions as to if any of those players would be back on extensions... Um, something's got to give. I mean, this 
organization cannot afford to have talent like that walk out the door for nothing, a la Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. Uh, and that is why I think the expectations are that um, we're in for a very, very interesting month. And I think some of the things, because of how many things need to happen and get clarified, I don't think it waits until the week of the draft in Nashville. I think it actually happens beforehand. What did you wow. What did you think? What was your reaction when you heard Bones after game five against Vegas uh, erupt like a volcano? I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. And to be honest, I thought there's no way that they can repair this relationship. But I guess it's it's been repaired. Um, but I, what did we'll I say? I, I was just thinking about it this morning. I was like, if Rick Bonus can't coach this team and Paul Maurice, who the hell can? That's what I thought. Um, but by the way, with your trivia question earlier, maybe somebody's answered it. Who is the longest tenured GM in the NHL? Can I take a swing and say Doug Armstrong in St. Louis? You are correct. You are correct, Rod. Ding, 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 ding. 2010. He is now the longest tenured GM. Of course, David Poyle had that job since 97. Yeah. Uh, Barry Trotz is now the guy. Uh, who just hired Andrew Burnett, as you mentioned. Uh, but yeah, 2010 for Doug Armstrong and now Sheveled Day off, the second longest uh, second longest tenure GM. And I will suggest <clears throat> that this will be the most interesting month in his entire term as general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. So it'll be certainly it'll be a team to watch. Roddy, uh, it, it's a great time of year. I mean, we got the cup final coming up. We've got what will be a very interesting off-season month for the National Hockey League, and certainly the team here in Winnipeg. We've also got CFL kickoff happening in a week. Uh, you're still all over the league. I've been reading your uh, website on the weekend. Well, you're you. on it. Thank What's you. the? Uh, you're still very connected to the Saskatchewan market. They had such a disappointing season last year. What are you hearing about the Riders right now? What is the vibe around that organization, of that team, with the changes that didn't happen after last year? And What's on the line for everybody involved this year with the green and white? What's on the line is their jobs. And I find it quite difficult to talk about the Rough Riders in Sask because people are so positive. Why wouldn't they be right now? It's May <laughs> for a day anyways, right? They haven't lost a game yet. Everybody's so in are, first place right now, right. Rod. <laughs> so everybody's positive. I don't see a great year coming. But when I say that, everybody gets angry. So I'm like, ah, okay, I won't talk about it. So I just – I. They had a good showing last weekend, and I'm interested to see how they do Friday night at Winnipeg. Uh, the O-line didn't give up a sack. Um, they got a new offensive coordinator. I thought he had a good offensive game plan for preseason standards. It was very basic, but they yeah, they lost the turnover battle 4-3. But it was a good start. I don't expect a lot. I think they're in a tough division. And do we care as much about the preseason? I don't know. Edmonton was 0-2. You're looking at a West where Winnipeg's number one. We all know that. Calgary and BC believe they're going to be good, and I think they will be. So now with Sask and Edmonton wrestling in the mud for fourth, maybe third, and I don't even know if Edmonton's got anything. So I, it's not about how good you are. I was in the league 20 years full-time, Andrew. It's about what do you, what's your competition in the division. That's what it's about, and I just don't see them being ahead of those other teams. Uh, yeah. Again, good enough start. But they got a lot of proving to do, and there's a lot of people think it'll be a house cleaning by Labor Day. Yeah, yeah. Prove me, well, prove me wrong. By Labor Day, uh, that's I was going to say if they don't make the playoffs. But I think you're right. If it does get off to a really, really poor start, I, uh, listen, the the seats are as hot as they've ever been in Saskatchewan for a team going into Week One. Is that is that fair to say? 
Absolutely. I, they haven't been this hot since the 90s. Uh, and to be honest, uh, that's, again, they don't want to hear it. I mean, I'm trying to talk about this team and cover it objectively, and people don't want you to be objective. I just, I look at their wins in the last four years, three, four years, they've gone 13, 9, 6. And they were 6 and 12 last year in a season where they're hosting the Grey Cup. And I see an interview where the president says, we forecasted a down year. Who believes this stuff? <laughs> You're hosting the Grey Cup. You expected to be down and go 6 and 12. Who believes this stuff? Well, who but the fans that, are believing it. <laughs> Pardon me? I mean, the, the thought that you would actually have a plan. Well, we're hosting the Grey Cup, but we know this is going to be a year we're probably not in the play. Like, that just doesn't happen that way. And frankly, it's negligence on management if that was the way it was approached. But I'm with you. I don't think uh, anyone can look at that with a straight face and think that that was the plan that year. That being said, things went poorly. What I think was surprising was that they didn't make more changes organizationally, head coach-wise. Um they did make a quarterback change, though. Very interesting to see how Trevor Harris and Cody Fajardo do sort of swapping places this year. And I think both of those teams are going to sort of be up against it. I do want to ask you, you know Chris Jones quite well. Uh, the Elks stunk last year. They couldn't win at home. It takes a while to build a team in Jones's vision. They were very active in the offseason. What do you expect? Uh, is this going to be a big step forward for the Elks this year? Or... Uh, is this uh, maybe fool's gold if people are expecting the Jones magic to uh, start popping this season? What I, what I know about Jones is a lot. And I talk to, I don't talk to him that much. I talk to his people a lot. And uh, the knock against him is his inability to ever find, find a quarterback. And the, the ironic thing in Sask, Zach was to be his guy. Yeah. Caleros, that was the guy. Got and hurt. of course, Zach couldn't play because he was hurt. All, exactly. So Taylor Cornelius is their guy because for lack of finding anybody else. Because I've said that like he just, you see that he tr just goes through players like they're trading cards. And I've said to his coaches, what, why can't he settle on somebody, especially at the quarterback position? And they said, because he's waiting for the perfect quarterback, the six foot four, nimble arm, rocket arm. And I'm like, that guy doesn't exist in the CFL. He doesn't really. And there's not a lot of Ricky Rays that grow on trees, Andrew. So Taylor Cornelius is the guy going into the year. Jones's thing has always been defense, right? And the fact that they had Deron Carter or tried to start him in the secondary last year tells me that I don't know where the plan is for Edmonton. And going 0-2 in the preseason, collapsing against Winnipeg the other night, I know that it's exhibition, but it, you still got to play a football game and play defense. So I, I want the best for them, and I don't really see it happening. I don't. What do you uh, what do you think uh, your old buddy Bo Levi is going to do in Hamilton this year, Rob? Yeah, I think he's going to be in the Grey Cup. That's what I think. I oh, think you're high on the Ticats? Yeah, well, because of him. I mean, I think the reason he and I hate each other so much is we're too alike, and that's what I hear from all the people <laughs> in Calgary. Well, his thing is prove me wrong, mother effer, and I'm going to go out, and that's where he's at. And I would never – bet against a, motivi a motivated Bolio and Mitchell. I won't do it. They're good enough talent-wise. We know they are, right? And what were they missing? They felt a quarterback. They're the New York Jets of the CFL, I guess. What they were missing was that guy. So I think Bo's only 32. Says he feels fine. So you asked, I don't think much out of Edmonton, but I think Hamilton's going to be in the Grey Cup. And they're in a weak division, too.
So well, that's the thing. That East yeah. is so wide open. Even if you look at the win totals, you know, on the uh, the odds boards, the the Cats do have the highest one. But it's I think the Argos take a big step back. I'm not sure Chad Kelly has the uh, maturity to be the leader of a football team. The one team that I'm very keen to see, and I'm thinking that they have a huge step forward is Ottawa. I, I mean, you know Bobby Dice. He is such a great leader of men. I think that if he has the right coordinators in there that can handle the technical side of the game planning of the uh, offense and defense, I know Bobby's going to get the best out of every guy putting on a jersey. And, of course, the biggest variable of that is quarterback play. And part of the thing that sunk Lapo last year was Masoli getting hurt early and missing most of the year. If Jeremiah Masoli can stay healthy, I think the I think the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to be the team that will be knocking on the door of the Hamilton Tiger well, Cats in the East. I talked to yours of my good friend, A.J. Jakubek, the other day, and he doesn't think Masoli is going to be ready to start the season. So I don't expect much out of Ottawa, and I feel sorry because I'm on the air in Bob Dice's hometown. I love me some Bob Dice, but there's no quick fixes in any pro league, and Ottawa's been terrible for a long time. So if they don't have Masoli and they don't have a roster capable, which I don't think that they do, I think they're fourth by quite a bit. I really do. Now, a lot of this is my heart. I mean, Fajardo, Fajardo, you mentioned him earlier. I love Cody Fajardo. He's in Montreal. I'm pulling for him. But the fact that Masoli's not ready to go, I love Nick Fatty Arbuckle, but I just don't, I just don't see it. But that's it's fun to talk about, though, isn't it? Hey, fun to talk about. Listen, it's going to be fun. Even though it's a preseason, I think there's a lot of people here who can't wait to get out to IG Field. And I mean, from a bomber standpoint, I mean, it's frankly been the most boring camp ever because, I mean, you pretty much know who's going to be out there in week number one as long as everybody's healthy. There's no huge positional battles, especially since Sergio Castillo was reacquired after being cut by the Elks. And uh, it's just about time to get going on the unfinished business tour and see if they can get back to the Grey Cup and avoid a narrow loss like they did last year. Rod, (laughs) before we go, um, you have always been a Knights guy. You're down in South Florida with the Panthers. Uh, who you got in the series? Vegas in six because the Panthers have proved me wrong every time all year. So, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I have the exact same pick. And, uh, well, hopefully uh, hopefully we're right if we're uh, doing a little sprinkle on it. Rod, let's do this again soon. Be well. Enjoy that sunshine. And enjoy the Stanley Cup final. I'll look forward to the RP show throughout the Cup final with some great coverage from uh, the belly of the beast at one of the two home rinks. Uh, have a great one and uh, enjoy those games. I enjoyed it, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it, pal. There is the one and only Rod Peterson. You can check the RP show on Game Plus Network at 11 a.m. Winnipeg time. And, of course, you can also check it out and subscribe on YouTube. All right. Billick's going to join us in just a couple minutes. We will talk to Hacksaw <clears throat> a little bit later on. Uh, folks, barbecuing season's here And if you're looking for incredible grass-fed bison and beef steaks, head on down to Vita Health Fresh Market where you can find that and, of course, great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Now with online delivery, same day if you get it ordered at myvita.ca before 11 a.m. After 11 a.m., it will be delivered the next day. And, of course, when you shop at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. Get on down to any one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores 
or you can visit their website at myvita.ca to buy online. Wallace and Wallace, very busy right now, getting ready for uh, a lot of work to be done this summer. If you have needs when it comes to fencing or overhead doors, talk to the experts who've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. On the fencing side, Wallace and Wallace has vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences, whatever you need. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they are the Clopay dealer with Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number to call. Wallace and Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the closet looking as we get into spring and summer? Wedding season's here. If you need to up your menswear game heading into the next few months, you need to get on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at $400, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for all the guys in the wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. And still time to grab a free custom shirt and tie for any 2023 high school grad with the purchase of a new suit for their big day next month. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. You can make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And another heater outside today, folks. Make a point of popping in and getting that great taste of summer at Nick and Nicky DQ with a blizzard run for the family to one of four Nick and Nicky DQ locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. All the new summer blizzard flavors are in. While you're at it, pick up some ice cream novelties to stick in the freezer, and don't sleep on those stack burgers as well when you're hungry. Big thanks to Nick and Nicky DQ for their support since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Let's get Billick in here today for his weekly visit on the program. Scotty, what's going on? Dude, some of your people in your chat will appreciate that I'm waiting another 28 hours for Diablo 4 to, un- un- to, to release an early access. So that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting. I'm working. This is I'm a waiting. video game? This is a video game, yeah. Somebody, so, somebody in your chat will enjoy enjoy that. What's I don't it know called? Many, Diablo? Diablo 4. Yeah, it's the fourth installment. So. Oh, nice! One of like the biggest you, games of all time. So, you're a big. Sh- is this a shooter game? Like no, much like Call of Duty? A- no, it's like an action <laughs> RPG hack and slash type game. So, yeah. interesting. Well, I'll, I'll, I uh, I was more fired up for the uh, release of WWE 2K23. <laughs> we all um, got our vices, man. We yeah, all got our vices. exactly. <laughs> and the new golf game. Um, hey, listen. Yeah. You know, we'll talk some hockey off-season bombers and whatnot, but uh, yeah. Got a chance to see you on Saturday, courtside yeah. for the big debut of the Sea Bears. I mean, yeah. what an amazing, amazing day for I think the city, the sports community, and certainly for that organization. I can't imagine the rebirth of pro hoops in Winnipeg going any better than it did on Saturday night at Canada Life Center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a storybook, what a storybook ending, right? Like, like it started the end, Huss. Like Chad Postumus, the guy who who was the first signing. He's a Winnipegger. He graduated from, you call him what, the River East Beast, I think the you were you're saying. Uh, the the beast, beast from beast River, East. River East. Yeah, it sounds like a Goosebumps book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing with it. It's just like, you know, he grabs the offensive board, he gets the put back, and it puts him over the, the Elam ending line, which is something that I had to learn, uh, you know, pretty quickly on Saturday, how that Elam ending worked. But even that, like, that whole thing, and, and 
you know, I love the NBA. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up playing basketball, high school ball, provincial uh, basketball um, in the province here at Oak Park. And, 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 and I, it's just, you know, I was, I was like, this is such a cool way to end a game. You know, it, 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 it's, it sounded really trivial to begin with. I was like, this is kind of silly, but like, it, it really adds to the intensity of the game. Like, you know, the, the Seabears had a 13 point lead heading into that. And it got erased uh, because because Vancouver went on an 18-5 run, scoring run, and and so like the whole game, like the, it, it, uh, Chad Chad Possumus called it the game within the game, and it truly was that. And so the ending was so spectacular, but the way that it ended with Chad scoring that bucket to put them over to get them to 90 points, um, to win that game. And and the crowd went nuts, man. Like I mean, I, I saw your video. You did like kind of a live video right after it or during it, a uh, little hit um, based on. And like the crowd was wild. And I watched that back over the weekend, and I was like, it was so cool to see um, such a different group of kind of fans. Like I'm, I'm always at Jets games and Bomber games, but you know this 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 engaged a different part of Winnipeg, right? It, it engaged a different. Um, group of fans who don't get to see maybe their favorite sport in basketball all the time, and and so that that was a cool part. Like the, the experience was 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 awesome. The game day experience was really cool. Um, it, it's cool that they play music during it. Like I mean, that, that to me that was a dream when I was playing any sport, right? Just to have like your favorite tunes just pumping while you play, like that was cool. So like I really enjoyed that. Um, and then like it, it just seemed like it, it was so well done. It looked. Like, I mean, I've, I've never been to an NBA game. So, but it looked like if you didn't have, I mean, the whole bottom bowl was basically sold out. Um, I think they had 7,300 yeah, fans. I mean, they were turning they, people away. Right, I mean, and that, the way that they configure it, right, is so like, I mean, it looked sold out down there. I mean, they had different ways. The courtside seats are really cool. Um, yeah, it, and it was just, it was fun to watch a game from court level. Like, watching a hockey game like that would be, uh, really annoying to be frank just because you don't get to see kind of the plays develop but watching a basketball game courtside is i mean you just felt like you were there right? like in it like you know not playing it per se but like you were right in it and just the way that the game ended like it couldn't have gone more perfectly i mean yeah. i don't think you could have scripted that any better with a not a buzzer beater but like a you know a game-winning shot let's say a walk-off a walk-off b- bucket there from from chad and it was just it was just a great night and i you know you almost like well how do you follow that up in their next home game well you know i guess for a little while you don't have to worry about that they're not back until june 12th um well, but yeah. i but i think that sort of thing just really i think that's that that was the perfect moment to get basketball you know thrust into the spotlight because i think there was a lot of people that would walk away from that game like i want to go to another game oh for sure and, and I, me, you only and get me included like, you only get cool. one you only get one chance to make a first impression yeah, and their first impression was an absolute grand slam. And yeah, you know, you mentioned it, a big part of that was the way Winnipeg showed up and mm-hmm. showed out. Uh, the energy in the building was great. Uh, and, and again, we've talked about this. It was a different crowd. I mean, they really did engage some of the um, you know the communities in Winnipeg that um, you know you might not see in as big numbers at hockey games or even football games. Yeah. So all of that was great. But then when it came down to the actual product, um, I mean, the athletes were great. And listen, I'm not uh, to the point of being a basketball connoisseur. I mean, obviously, 
it's not the NBA, but there was a lot of great athletes there doing great things. First game of the season. I mean, you know, I don't think that ever either team was in championship form just yet, but yeah. everything that went around with the game, and you mentioned that the, the Elam rule or the target score, whatever target you want to call score, yeah. it. I'd never seen a game before that was like that. I guess I, I had in the world championships last okay. summer because this is, these are FIBA rules. Yeah. It is a complete game changer. There's no wasting time. There's no all those BS fouls that often, you know, kind of yeah, take people out exactly. at the end. Yeah. Um, it's all out to get to that point. And um, yes, you mentioned the Seabears did uh, go to Brick City for a couple minutes there and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't sink one. And then all of a sudden you're in this super tight game, but the hometown guy wins it. And uh, as I say, <laughs> For a first impression, yeah. it could not have gone any better. And listen, they smashed the CEBL record. Yeah, they're playing for attendance. I, I, I think I think the old record was forty four hundred. Yeah, forty four oh four, and they they basically beat it by twenty nine hundred. Right? I would like, not be surprised, and I know that was the home opener, <laughs> but I'll predict this right now. I bet they average more than forty four hundred once oh, we get yeah. to the end of the season. Like, I, I think so. that there'll be a lot of those people that will be back. And again, it's only 10 games too. So, yeah, I mean, a nice little niche in the calendar right now, kind of in between hockey. And obviously the Bombers are going to be getting going. Goldeye's playing right now as well. Um, but there was a need for it. People came out. And uh, as they say, uh, I'm looking forward to being back there courtside beside you guys and just going as a fan sometimes because it certainly seemed like everyone that was in the stands had a hell of a great time. Well, and that's the thing, right? You, you mentioned gold eyes, and like, and and you mentioned, well, yeah, it might not be the talent of the NBA or whatever, but it truly feels like a gold eyes experience, right? Like it may not be MLB, but the guys can play, right? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, not every not everybody's shooting sixty percent out there, you know, either. Um, you know, some of some of the Seabirds guys were shooting like twenty percent on the night, but you know, you got to take into account like this this team was. I don't want. To, I think thrown together would be disrespectful. But it, the way that the speed at which this kind of comes together, they still have one player playing out in Qatar right now. Um, that hasn't Shane uh, Adesan. Adis, uh, I, can't, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I don't want to butcher his last name. But there's a there's another guy that's coming. They just had one guy, uh, Jalen um, uh, Watson Gale, who's from England. He just got here on what Monday night, I believe it was. He was awesome uh, on the Monday before the game. Yeah, he comes off the bench and leads the team in scoring. So like. So, like, this team is still kind of trying to get used to each other, let alone, you know, kind of put a winning product on the on the, on the court. And you look at um, other expansion teams that have happened in this league, and I, it's possible that this team goes 1-19 in the end, right? We have no idea. But, you know, most of these teams that come in aren't really that good. And, and Winnipeg showed that they could really hang. And, and I think that was a more surprising thing. And maybe that was just feeding off the crowd and – and 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 that, but you know, I mean, you would also expect on a night like that there'd be a lot of jitters. There's a few Winnipeggers in that um, thing, and, and you got to think in that game. I mean, Chad uh, was in foul trouble three three and a quarter, three and a half minutes in. Dude, right? Simon Hildebrand had and the Simon game. Hildebrand that was the guy. That, exactly. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, this is a guy who just played. He was just a rookie of the year in youth sports at the University of Manitoba. Comes in to play his first professional game. And yeah, he, he puts his first shot. He, he he jams it between the rim and the backboard. But then after that, he I mean he he loses the jitters and he just comes out and plays a great game. It, it was is it was yeah. I mean I I don't know like it, it, it that's one of those moments where you're like you're trying like to figure out how do you capture that in words because I mean you really just like it would have been you needed to watch it like it was that it was that cool of a moment and 
you know, it, it, I, I don't know when the last time I've had kind of one of those as a reporter. Like, I mean, for the Jets, you know, you go back to maybe game three of uh, against Nashville Predators. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's that. But like, but, and a really just like a cool moment for fans where it was just like this. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to describe it. I, I, I've struggled, but it was an awesome event. Uh, and I really, I mean, I truly hope that this works. I hope the league is is stable, not like you know when the Winnipeg Thunder were here. You know, I, I, I really hope that this kind of catches on. And and because you know, you 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 watch the way that this team has kind of embraced um, uh, the city and and the facilities that they have. I really think that this this Winnipeg team could be really good over the years because you could get. You know, you, you build that. You have these great facilities. You have a, you know a city that that embraces you and a lot of different um, other opportunities. I mean, I remember talking to Mike Taylor, the head coach, and and part of the reason that a lot of players want to come to certain places is other income opportunities. Can they do a little bit of advertising or, or all that kind of different stuff, right? Promotional things, whatever it is. I mean, I really think you can make this, uh, you know, sort of like Winnipeg Blue Bombers environment where you can really attract some of the best players bring them in and, and, and kind of have a competitive team um, perennially. And, and so like, I think that's, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch more of it. I mean, like it, it was a fun thing and, uh, and, and, you know, I think it rekindled for me. And I mean, I, you know, I, I used to watch basketball religiously. I don't as much anymore. Um, but I, I want to watch the next Winnipeg Sea Bears game. I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't know what other, you know, better compliment than you could probably give than, you know, wanting to watch the next game, right? So. Yeah, we had Chad on the show <laughs> yesterday talking about, you know, the first game, and obviously they're hitting the road right now uh, on the weekend, and then coming back, I believe, on the 12th for the next home game, and then there's a weekend game on the 23rd. Um, yeah. But as I say, you mentioned, you know, setting up the organization. I mean, David Asper and his entire team deserve a lot of credit. I mean, the key, the key thing, getting those games at that downtown arena – completely changes the equation i think for that team as opposed to playing in the convention center or one of these smaller spots that a lot of the other teams are in um and obviously david you know has a long history with the winnipeg blue bombers and has sort of seen what wade and that group has done right now and uh, probably a pretty good blueprint to uh, start off a, a, a something like this well and just seeing david asper there he was courtside he's got the big sea bears chain I on it. his gold chain it. His hat was like flat and brilliant. Lean and into it. Lean oh, into it. Oh, it was incredible. I was like, I've never seen David Asper not in a suit, right? And then you see him like courtside with a bit of baggy pants on and like a, you know, it was almost like a camo shirt or a sweater that he was wearing and the chain and the hat. Yeah, hey, it, was, it was interesting. Speaking of right? courtside seats, right across from us, did you see those two dudes in the matching green velour tracksuits? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I've been. I've just been thinking about those guys through week. Like what? I, I, I wanted. I wanted more information on <laughs> exactly what it works. To be a story. And the next to be time. honest, yeah. I was somewhat inspired because I want to become a velour tracksuit guy. <laughs> like I, I think that I'm at this point in my evolution. I think I could a pull it off. And I think it might be a good look for me going forward. Scott Billick's with okay. us from the Winnipeg Sun, Scotty. You, uh, Ted, and Freezer and the gang over at the Sun have the annual "You Be the oh, Boss" man. survey out. How's the uh, how's traction <laughs> on that bit over at the uh, the Sun's website? Yeah, I think it's been up for a day and a half now, a little bit more than that. We've we're approaching two thousand um, responses so far, which is awesome. I'm I'm really happy about that. Obviously, I'm you know one of the things that I wanted to do with this was kind of wait a bit, and and you know. I, 
the reason why I did it, and some people have like, well, why didn't you put this out at the at the end of the season? Part of that right, is after just game the, five when everyone's well, max pissed. exactly, and so that's the thing, right? Like you know, oftentimes you don't want to make decisions when you're you know pissed off, and you don't want to make your decisions out of anger or whatever. You want to kind of have, a, let's say, a sober, sober second thought, and so thought we'd wait a little bit to put it out, let the temperature kind of, you know, drop a little bit, the mercury uh, go down and, and see, you know, what would come of it. And um, so, I, you know, I didn't want the recency bias to get in. But, you know, maybe the biggest mistake that I made on this was leaving the, the, the bottom graph. The last question in the survey is like, you know, basically say whatever you want, like get it off, off your chest. And holy, holy cow, some people have gotten a lot. Like this 1,500 is a, word dissertations. Oh my, well, this is it, right? So, like, I mean, uh, so there's, like, almost 2,000 responses here now. And, like, I'm going to try and have to read, like, literally 2,000. Like, some of them are, yeah, some of them are long. <laughs> some of them are long. <laughs> and it's just, like, and then, you know, some people said no, and some people said you suck and whatever, and that's fine. This, I mean, I got one here. I mean, it is monster. Like, it, it, so the nice thing about Google Forms is it puts it in this like Google Sheet thing. You can, and so all the responses kind of get sorted or whatever. And so, like this one, I, one person, I don't know who it was, but there's like, there's at least twenty points here on what needs to change. Like all the move. Well, first of all, all the moves that Chevy uh, that they said that Kevin Shovel Dayoff made that that uh, have kind of screwed the team. And then there's just another long list of all these potential trades that they <laughs> want to see happen. And so it's like, it, it's pretty interesting, right? I mean, some of them are wishful thinking, um, you know, Hellebuck for, I don't know. I mean, Quinton Byfield, I don't think that's happening. We'll see. It. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, I, I, it's always fun to, to kind of see what, and, and, and people, you know, it, to, to people's credit, I got 2000 responses here. And I, when I scroll through these, I mean, there's there's very few people that didn't take the time to write something in that last question, and obviously, you know, it's gonna be cool to go through all the actual responses to you know all the other questions that were in there. But like people, I mean, you can just tell how dedicated Jets fans are that they'll they'll take you know five minutes or maybe like three hours based on this one question answer that I have to kind of really go through and just kind of say what they want to say. And so, yeah, it's it's been it'll be interesting to read. I mean, we, we keep it up for a week. It'll be, it'll come down Sunday. Um, and, uh, and then I'll have, uh, the, the, you know, the next week or so to kind of parse through everything and, and kind of report back on what, what, what fans feel. And I always find it interesting. I, I, I enjoy it because I mean, I, I think, I think one of the things and I'm looking at some of these questions and you just kind of look at how people kind of respond and who do they want? I mean, most people want to see either Pierre-Luc Dubois or Connor Hellbuck resigned, right? Um, we only gave one option in that. Some bickered at that, but you can't sit there and give like, how many guys and you can like, there's just, there's not enough. So, I mean, there's not enough time in the day to kind of just like parse through everything. And I'm not trying to do the jets work for them either. Um, but you know, some of this is, it's just interesting to see how, you know, fans are split on signing a certain guy or they want, you know, Connor Hellbuck for sure resign. They, they obviously know the importance. So, I mean, you get to see, I mean, the fan base is very intelligent here. And so you get to see a lot of these things and how they go. So let me ask you about Chevy. (laughs) Because um, mm-hmm. we were actually just talking, uh, I was looking this up today, um, you know, with the new moves and Treleving heading in to uh, run the Calgary Flames and Craig yeah. Conroy going in, or excuse me, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and Craig Conroy going in to run the Flames. I looked at the list of general managers in the NHL, and Chevy's now the second longest tenure GM uh, after Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, who took the job over uh, in uh, 2010. <clears throat> yeah. And 
I mean, I think you can certainly make the argument that Shevel Dayoff, Chipman, like the entire group did, I mean, a really good job over those first five years identifying where they needed to go, and they built a team that was a legitimate contender. It seems, from my perspective at least, it seems like the the disappointment and the angst and some of the things that have been, you know, that, uh, you know, our criticisms of the GM is that they maybe it's not the moves that they did do. It's maybe moves that they didn't do over the last right. couple of years that, you know, we're essentially going into a make or break month with so much on the line for Winnipeg as to the, the future of almost the foundation of the team. Um, when you're getting this sort of feedback, I, I mean, it, is there, are you reading that the same way? Or is there some things that people still don't like? I mean, obviously the line eight trade is going to be one that will yeah. always be associated with Kevin Sheveldayoff. And I think the jury is still out on that until we find out what the conclusion mm -hmm. of the Pierre-Luc Dubois era is here. But how are you reading that? Because listen, I get it. Fans more so today than ever before are sort of impatient. That is our that is the in a lot of ways some of the effect of social media right now. But I do think that this fan base is smart enough to realize that there are unique challenges and it's not yeah. quite as easy. As Chevy himself said, it's not fantasy hockey, at least when you're the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. But thoughts on you know what you're hearing as far as that is. And, and further to that, the pressure to come up big in this month of June, because as I said, this is 12 yeah. years to the day that the franchise came here. I'm not sure that we've had ever a month ahead of us with as much expected to happen and frankly has to happen one way or the other with this hockey club since they became the Jets from the Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, I, 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 I haven't looked through all of them yet, so it's hard to say, but you know, I think there's, I think there's just people all over the map, right? I mean, I, I think there are people that, I, let's say, oh yeah, let's say this. There isn't a lot of people that saying that they're, they they trust Kevin Shoveldale off implicitly. Uh, you know, we we can, we can, I can go through that right now and just kind of see, you know, based on this kind of how. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's just a lot of people that just want to see this team succeed, right? I mean, I I, I think, I think fans are kind of, you know, just going over this, like fans are they're waiting for something to change, you know, like it, you got to, you get a taste back in 2017, 18, and you get a, you got, you got a pretty good taste of the first half of 2018, 19 season. And, and, you know, if, if you're, if, if you're a fan this season too, you're like, yeah, well, we got a taste right up till January 15th or so um, of, you know, what this team can accomplish. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I think a lot of people see that, um, you know, this core just hasn't worked out. I, I think there's that. I mean, I, I think it's, I think people are, want more, uh, let more, let's say more risk um, in involved in what the Jets do. And, and I say that in a way that, you know, they don't just like, you know, trade off all these guys or, or remove everybody assets. But when you don't really trade a whole lot and, and you're not promoting a whole lot either um, from within, like, I mean, we're still waiting for Billy Hanela to get a spot um, you know, th there's been players over the years where this team has just kind of let marinate for, for a little longer than, than you would want. So, yeah, like, I, I think there's just a, I mean, it's split, I mean, you know, on a lot of these, you know, but, but I think, you know, the, one of the biggest, one of the questions is like, you know, it, it, where, where is kind of Kevin Chevel Dev? Like what's, what's the temperature on him? And I think a lot of people, you know, it, it's either, yeah, he's past his due date or, um, 
he needs to, you know, make the team better, like now, because, you know, it's such a critical juncture for this team this summer to kind of, you know, where is this team going to head, right? Like, uh, you might lose your top two centers, you might lose your best goaltender. It's just the way that it's going to happen. So, um, you know, what what's the direction of this team? And, and I think a lot of people are just waiting for that, right? And, and and over this next month, perhaps we'll you know sort of figure it's what, a that, what that is. It's a crossroads. It's a crossroads. It's hundred percent across this for this yeah. group. I mean, and let's face it. I mean, there's been more continuity for a number of reasons with this group than most others. Yeah. Um, and there will be some conclusion one way or the other, whether it be extensions. <clears throat> and again, yeah, the two players you're talking about being extended probably the most difficult ones to do it. And I'm still of the opinion. I'm not even sure they go down the road of an extension with Mark Shifley. I mean, I really think that the Shifley Wheeler era, um, the the curtains closing on that right now, but in your opinion, and again, this goes back to, I mean, I think back to the trade deadline and the amount of cantankerous fans here in the (laughs) chat and around it that were just irate that the Jets didn't, you know, trade their first round pick and prospects to get one of these guys to come in was, I, I'll be honest, I was stunned at it because, I mean, when I read the tea leaves and saw the way that team was playing, there was no way in hell, if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I was going to be sacrificing future assets and important pieces of what this team is going to need to to move on into the team that was playing the way they were last year at the deadline. And I think that's sort of proven out that that was probably a very prudent move in retrospect. But now we're at the point where these things have to happen. And I mean, listen, if there are some players traded, there's a number of different options as to what comes back. I'm of the belief that if you're trading Dubois, if you're trading Shifley, if Hellebuck is on the on the way, what has to come back is younger assets that are under team control that have the potential to turn into real difference makers for the club. And I realize that there's yeah. risk it, there's risk involved in that. But I would far prefer the team to go that way, acknowledging that, yeah, you know what? This might not be on paper as talented as a team as we had last year. But at the same time, I think that there's some benefits to moving out some particular players and changing the way that the team plays. Hell, the Florida Panthers are a perfect example of that right now. Yeah, I mean, they snuck in, but they're playing a style of play night in and night out, buying into what yeah. their coach says that gives them a chance to win in the playoffs. And as I said, with Hellebuck, you've always got a chance to win. If he's not there, that really does change things. But, I mean, from my perspective, if we get to July 1st and some moves have been made that, maybe in the short term, don't make the team quote-unquote better, but puts this team in a far better situation to go bring in these younger players over the next couple years and start a new window, that to me is a win for the Winnipeg Jets. Where are you? Like When you're writing about this team, once we get to free agency on the first, after the week in in, uh, Nashville, what will be a win in your mind for Kevin Sheveldayoff, basically, when it comes to doing what he has to do with this roster? Well, you know, it is, it's interesting, right? And so, like, let's say, I mean, theoretically, you lose, let, let's say you lose um, Shifley and Dubois, right? Well, I, I, you know, I think at that point, I don't know what you're getting back for those guys because part of the problem is you're probably going to have with those two potentially is that if you trade Dubois to a team, uh, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, Colorado, right? 
you know, a team that needs, that potentially wants a second line center, but they only want him for one year to try and win another Stanley Cup and, and, and that sort of thing. The return on that sort of guy, I don't, I don't know exactly what you're getting, right? Um, it, you know, let's if Dubois wants to do a sign-in trade, then the return is obviously bigger. And I think the same thing with Mark Scheifele. Like, Mark Scheifele goes to Boston or Carolina or, you know, one of those teams. It might only be for one year. And, and, and then, you know, so basically you're trading for a self-rental. It caps how much. I'm, I'm doing a story today, and so I'm going to talk on that, about... I was sorry, just yeah, going to say, going. just on that Scheifele bit, yeah. and I kind of touched on this yesterday... I, I'm not sure that there's an extension waiting for Shifley when he's traded. I, I think that I he's going to have a massive prove-it year wherever he is. And I think yeah. the best-case scenario for him is going into a new scenario, you know, with a good locker room where he doesn't have to be the guy, goes in, fit it fits in well, is his usual productive self on the ice and fits in and then earned that contract. To me, Dubois is a little different. Dubois, because yeah. of his age, where he's at right now, um, I think that there will be teams that will be interested in Dubois, but probably would be in right now at trying to get a deal done. Now, obviously, that's contingent on whether he's interested in doing a deal of with course. any other yeah. team than the one that has been mentioned over and over right. again. Yeah, and as you know, so I, you know, I, I don't mention Boston, and so we're doing a three-part series coming up on kind of you know where these guys could go. This is always the same thing; everybody kind of does these things, right? But you're you're trying to look at the best fits and and all those things. So I'm doing Hellbuck tomorrow, so I'll get to that in a second. But Shifley, to me, if Mark Shifley's smart and his agent's smart, you're like, okay, can I get into Boston or can I get into Carolina? And I'm playing under, first of all, I'm playing in two locker rooms that are run by veteran guys that aren't going to take any shit, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that would be helpful for Mark Shifley to um, uh, maximize his earning potential when he becomes a UFA in, 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 in 2024. Secondly... I think you're you're going to go and play under two head coaches that are also not going to take a lot of shit, and you're going to learn from those guys. Um, you know, let's say Mark like Mark Shifley playing under Rod Brindamore in Carolina. Mark Shifley is going to be a changed player coming out of that, right? You're going to learn a certain way to play. This is how it is, and 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 you know, it, it may be risky for Mark because if if Rod can't change Mark, well, then probably nobody can. But I think for Shifley, just to go into a new place where you're not, as you said, not kind of maybe leaned upon as, as a leader, but more so just leaned upon for your goal-scoring ability, your power play prowess, all those sorts of things. You know, you add an element of defensive to your game that you it consistently that you didn't have in here in Winnipeg, and you kind of just learn how to – like I think that those, those are kind of the two places where I'm Mark Shifley. Patrice Bergeron isn't coming back next year in Boston. I'd want to be in mm-hmm. Boston, you know, and, and – Obviously, you know, this isn't necessarily the way it's going to go. Um, it obviously, There has to be, you know, trade partners there for each, for Sh- Shovel Day Elf, and, and obviously assets that they can get back. But if I'm Mark Shifley, those are the places I want to go to kind of do that, like you said. But for, for Connor Hellebuck, I mean, I'm looking at it, and it's so difficult. And, and I, you know, I put this question out on Twitter last night, and, I, it, it, you know, it's like, who is the last goalie? Or maybe it was two nights ago, but it was, who is the last goalie? kind of in their prime that gets that's been dealt like and, and I'm not talking about just any goalie but like an elite goaltender and you know for me and I my mind's changed I thought it was Ryan Miller at the trade deadline in 2014 for me right now I think it's actually Roberto Luongo in 2006 to Vancouver you look at the return from Vancouver to Florida it was like Bertuzzi Alex Ald and 
Blake, uh, Blake something or other. I mean, again, basically a bag of pucks at the end of the day, right? Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi was kind of on his mm-hmm. on the back nine of his career. Um, Alex Ald wasn't, you know, the goalie that um, that Florida would have wanted him to become and all that. And, and meanwhile, Vancouver gets, you know, a guy that I, I think he was nominated for. I think he won the Vezin the following year and was in the heart consideration um, the year later in Vancouver and obviously, you know, went on to take him to the Stanley Cup final in 2011. All became that stuff, the captain. Right? <laughs> well, well that, that too, right? I mean, so, yeah. But I mean, it's just interesting, like, you know, what is a, what is a good return what is a comparable return for Connor Hellebuck? And so I've kind of looked at that, and it, it, I'm, I'm not sure, right? I mean, so like, if you go, I mean, I've got, I got the LA Kings on here as a team that potentially, because, I mean, just based on their goaltending situation, they don't have Jonathan Quick anymore. Cal Peterson's future is, you know, up in the air. We don't know where that's going to go. And Jonas Corpusell is a UFA. So you don't really have um, a goalie. Uh, you might have Cal Peterson, but you're not entirely sure if he's going to pan out at the NHL level because they had to essentially replace him this year with huh, he's uh, making Quick 5 million and, bucks playing uh, in the I, A. I to, yeah, I yeah, I get it, right? But and they need him to work out, but I mean if you're LA and you've got all these players coming up, I mean you got the Byfields and you got Drew Doughty who's still playing well and this team and then you got one more year of Anze Kopitar um before his 10 million dollar, you know, contract ceases to be a thing on, on the books for LA. So there, there's potential there to even re-sign Connor Hellebuck. And that team's still on the upswing, in my opinion. But what are you getting from them, right? Like, are they willing to trade Sean Dursey and Gabe Velarde? Uh, uh, but, I mean, L.A. is one of the teams that have one of the best prospects pools in the NHL right now. They have Brant Clark on D. Um, I, like, I really like Francesco Pinelli, who played in Kitchener this year in the OHL, Alex Turcotte. But, like, what, what do you think is, like, the big, the big return, like it? I don't know if you're getting a big, you're getting a goalie back in a trade, but you know, if you go, let's say you went for the Ottawa Senators, is Shane Pinto a guy that you would like? Okay, uh, you know, maybe you get a pick or something else on on top of that. But Shane Pinto is a center, scored 20 goals this year. I mean, they were reluctant to trade him, and they didn't end up trading him to Arizona in the chicken deal. But if Ottawa wants an elite goaltender, and the Jets need a second line center, potentially a top line center, as he keeps going. Um, you know, is that is that a good trade for the Winnipeg Jets? So you trade Connor Hellebuck, potentially with the, the context of knowing you might not have Shifley and, and Dubois, do you get another center? And I, I look at Peyton Krebs in Buffalo. Um, I don't know if <laughs> here's the other thing: it, it, are Buffalo willing to move on Owen Power at all? And and would Buffalo be willing to get an elite goaltender for you know a, a six foot six defenseman that's shown really well? Like I. It's hard to find out. And then you look at New Jersey. I mean, do you want Jesper Brad and Vitek Vanacek? I don't know if that actually solves your problems on this team down the middle. And so that's another problem that you have. No, and you no, look at, it, it doesn't. But, but I mean, doesn't. that centerpiece, that centerpiece coming in, and you mentioned the name Byfield before. And again, I don't know whether he's untouchable. He I, yeah. certainly hasn't popped yet at the NHL level. And yeah. this is the time where, I mean, from my perspective, you have to at least go down that road if a player like that is potentially available that, you know, could have a real high upside given that opportunity to play in the role that he would be playing here if those other two guys are gone Um, and and how that that deal would look. The one thing that I'll say with a place like L.A., Maybe not as much Ottawa. Um, although I guess if you if we take it for what it's worth, for what um, you know, Hellebuck said, he's just looking for a place to win, as opposed to um, you know just someone that's going to pay him the most money. Right. That that's the one deal that I think they have to figure out 
much like the Kachuk deal last year, who's he willing to sign with an extension right. and have somewhat of the framework of what that is going to look like sure. and then work out a deal? Because I think if the Kings know that they can get a team, just for example, that yep. they could get Hellebuck in there and they've got their horse for the next five, six, seven years, whatever the case may be, is it's a lot easier to justify trading a prospect with the upside of a guy like Quinton Byfield if you know you're going to have that done. That ain't happening for one year of any of the players that we talked about. Yeah, and all, and that's why I think, like, I mean, for a guy like Hellebuck, you almost you almost have to trade him to a team that's new to sign and trade, right? Problem is, like, I mean, w- which team is that? Like, and, and so, like, those teams, like, you whittle down those teams. Like, you, you can think of Detroit, right? Would he want to go home, play for his hometown Red Wings, lead them back to the glory days of, uh, of of years well, and past Buffalo but, as well. I mean, well, listen, Buffalo Buffalo's too. been at also ran for the last fifteen years. Yeah, uh, that's a team that I think you look at and say it is going in the right direction, yeah. and certainly will uh, will be something else. Scotty, listen, I got to run here. We got the saw band yeah. coming up right now, but uh, enjoy. I'll be looking forward to report on Diablo Four next week. Uh, hopefully, you're able to get <laughs> sure. some sleep at some point, and uh, we'll look for when are the results of the uh, poll uh, coming out in the uh, in the sun next week yeah so yeah yeah hopefully next week sometime i mean i you know depending how i got a lot to go through here um but yeah, uh, no hopefully, hopefully hopefully um yeah by middle to late next week it, we're gonna shut it down on sunday so that'll be the last day for for responses and then we'll go through there nice thing about these google docs or whatever they actually kind of they give you graphs and all these nice little pie charts and stuff like that of answers so that's easy to go through it's the, the the mistake I made of letting people, Dude, and maybe not a mistake, but you know, all you need to do is you're just going to copy paste those final <laughs> ep, uh, those final answers, and then you'll have paper. probably about eighty pages of copy in the sun that you can go for from there. Have yeah. a great one, man. Thanks for doing this. We'll do. Yeah. See you, house. Yeah. All right. There is Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Yes, I mentioned a special visit from the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, coming up in just a second. Folks, we're back at IG Field on Friday. Preseason football before the home opener next Friday. And, of course, if you're heading down to IG Field, you got to get there early and take in everything going on at the Princess Auto tailgate party outside the stadium before every Bomber game. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Well, we're coming out of May long weekend here, Memorial Weekend south of the border, and uh, of course there's been a lot of yard work happening uh, in and around these parts if you need irrigation products or solutions for your property talk to the experts at consolidated supply who are doing those same things for golf courses around manitoba they're also the artificial turf leaders and uh, speaking of golf uh, new and used golf carts um <laughs> we've got other great options for your property hot tubs amazing outdoor kitchen options and of course small engine parts and repair 1395 Niaqua Road East is where to see them. And you can find out more online at cte.ca. And uh, just before we bring in Hacksaw, if you're uh, thinking about a great spot to watch the cup final on the weekend or the NBA finals that begin tomorrow, you know it's Boston Pizza. If only we could get Hacksaw in person and get him a nice plate of those famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and maybe even a schooner or two. Unfortunately, we can't send a delivery to Hacksaw, but if you're around these parts, you can always order online as well 
at bostonpizza.com. Let's bring in the big guy himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, joining us. Saw what's going on. How are you? Hustler, can you hear me? Nice to nice to be back with you. You sound great. You're looking like a million U.S. tax-free. Uh, just another day in the life of Hacksaw. You know, uh, just before I want to get to the offseason um, in the National Football League with some of the uh, the notebook but I have to ask you, and you've been covering all of these leagues for a long time. How about the incredible run of South Florida teams right now? The eight seed Panthers and the eight seed Heat both playing in their championship series beginning this week. It, I mean, it's just like a bizarre world right now with what's going on. And of course, they're going up against number one seeds in their other conferences in the uh, in the championship. I think the most amazing thing, Andrew, is these teams had to claw their way into this. I mean, Florida went down to the final hours of the regular season. Were they in? Were they out? And they sure didn't look like a complete team, and they're really playing well. And how about the Miami Heat? I mean, they, they lost their play-in game, had to come back, play the second one, qualified, and have just kind of rocked and rolled through the competition, have beaten all the big boys along the way. So it's, you know, I, I think the bottom line when you get to postseason play, and you can identify with this, are you healthy and are you hot? And if you got a hot goaltender like Florida does, Bobrovsky has been a huge difference maker. And Miami finally got all their guys back on the floor, the Heat. Uh, they're playing pretty well. So, yeah, I'm really surprised. Uh, I think in the big picture, I don't know who's going to watch the NBA finals because I don't think as good as Denver is, Denver's not a national brand. And as, as good as Miami has become because Pat Riley is still there, I just don't think they're going to draw big TV ratings. And I've not had much time to check to find out what the hockey ratings are. But I can't imagine that this is a sexy matchup. Even though these two teams deserve to be there, there's no doubt Las Vegas is really good, though I don't think they get any national pub. I just don't know north of the border and in the big markets here in the States, is anybody paying attention to Miami versus Las Vegas in the Stanley Cup Finals? I will, you will, because we're hockey junkies, but... I just don't know what the TV ratings are going to be like. Yeah, it, it is, uh, it's a great question. Listen, from the NBA side of things, it certainly ain't Celtics-Lakers, uh, two historic teams. Um, but I think the teams that deserve to be there are there. I mean, hey, they earned it. They played their way in. They earned it. Uh, they're getting tremendous performances off the bench, off off the boards, over the boards from different players. You know, kind of the unique, intangible thing about the NHL playoffs is, yeah, you have your stars like the Connor McDavid's and, and you know, the, the dry saddles of the world. But I'll tell you what, your second and third line guys and your second pair, third pair on defense really makes a difference in a seven game best of grind. And I'll tell you what, that's why you get all these heroes that show up in May and June in the NHL playoffs that you would not expect to be a guy that would pot a game-winning goal or a game-tying goal or come up with that. So it's it's fascinating to me, team chemistry, when you get to postseason play. Because in hockey, just like the NBA, if you got guys over the boards, off the bench, or difference makers, or get red hot, they can carry a team. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us here. Uh, Lee, you know, just before we move off the finals, the one thing that is... Um, is really interesting to me is that the Panthers, you mentioned the hot goalie. I mean, Bobrovsky was just completely out of his mind. I do wonder what that layoff does to Florida 
whether he can kind of get back to where he was, you know, after being off for a week and a half. And on the other side, the fact that the Nuggets are at home, they swept, they have all of this rest. I think the rest is going to help the Nuggets a heck of a lot more than it might help the Panthers in this series. And I think the Miami Heat, for their part, would have loved to have ended their series a little earlier when they had the opportunity to do that and not get pushed to the brink before going to Denver at altitude to begin the series tomorrow. Yeah, you checked off all the boxes. Uh, although the NHL playoffs are such a brutal grind. I, I mean, I grant you 10 days off is a lot, but those Panthers really needed that. And from the Miami-Denver perspective, you, you know, you worry about rhythm, and I don't know if the word rust is the correct thing, because Denver's kind of roared through its playoff series and has had significant rest between each series. But think about this. Miami grinds through seven, gets on the plane, goes from Boston back home, gets to practice maybe a day and a half, has to get on the plane, go to Denver, face a rested Nuggets team in thin air. Uh, that that's an enormous challenge on top of all the matchup challenges that I think the Heat are going to have against Joker and the rest of the Nuggets. So it'll be a fascinating series. I don't know that Miami's the best team, but, you know, Boston had the chance, didn't get there. Philadelphia got hurt. Milwaukee got bumped early because of Giannis's injury problems. And, of course, out west here, uh, you know, the Lakers really finished up on a roll. The Clippers had two superstars. They couldn't keep their guys on the floor. So, I'm not sure the best teams are planned, but these are the guys we're going to watch this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Lee, big news last week in the National Football League. We'd heard trade rumors about DeAndre Hopkins in uh, Arizona uh, with a number of teams. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition. He was then cut, like one of the top receivers, most productive guys. Why was he cut, and what's next for DeAndre Hopkins? Well, Arizona wanted to get rid of him. You know, he's not played well the last two years. He had 42 and 64 receptions in the last two seasons in Arizona. Prior to that, he had three straight years of over 100 catches. Arizona has just completely fallen apart. And how bad did they want to rid themselves of this guy? And I'm not going to say he's a malingerer, but boy, he sure missed a lot of time. They ate $22 million. They took a $22 million cap hit just to get him off the books. Now, this is awful late in the game, and here's the problem that Hopkins is going to have. Can he bounce back and be healthy and be what he was before? Yeah, possibly, Andrew. But you know what? Nobody's got cap space. Buffalo, I think, has $1.1 million cap space. Kansas City's got $650,000. I think New England might have $3 million. You know, this guy wants an O.J. Beckham contract of $15 million. I don't know where he's going to go at this late date because everybody has spent their cap space. The only team that I'm aware of that's really got breathing room to do something creative, and this may be where he lands, is Baltimore. Lamar Jackson restructured his contract. He got the new deal. His cap figure went down. They did spend $15 million on Beckham. Uh, they've got young guys. They've got almost 12 million cap space. So they might be the one that's hidden behind the curtain and might reach out and grab this guy and bring him in. But what kind of DeAndre Hopkins receiver are you going to get? He's just not the same guy anymore by virtue of being dinged up a lot. So, yeah, uh, if they had traded him prior to the draft, but they couldn't find any takers because nobody wanted the contract. And that's that's the big issue. 
Yeah, that that cap space is a, is a real thing because everyone thought, oh, look how good he would look catching passes from Mahomes or Josh Allen. Uh, the numbers don't work right now, and that's why nothing has happened so far. Speaking of the cap, um, we've been waiting for more shoes to drop when it comes to quarterback contracts. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, franchise players for both the Chargers and the Bengals. Lee, what are you hearing about extending those two players uh, and basically giving them the keys to the castle? Well, like everything else in football, the next quarterback gets a big deal based on what the last guy just got. And we saw what Jalen Hurts just got from Philadelphia just prior to the uh, National Football League draft. Uh, Burroughs will get signed. It's a big issue because Cincinnati historically has been cheap. Mike Brown has not spent money, but he's going to have to spend probably on the average of $50 million to keep Joe Burroughs. I think that will get done. I think the Chargers, who have a, a small money owner who does not have a lot of wealth, they got a problem because they're up against the cap. And next year, they got so many guys with big money cap figures. Some of these guys are going to disappear. And I don't know whether it's Colo Mack or it's their star wide receiver, Keenan Allen, or the younger wide receiver, Mike Williams. They have so many guys that are earning 20 to 30 million cap figures next season. That's going to be a big issue going forward. General Manager Tom Telesco just yesterday indicated that he had private conversations with Justin Herbert's agent and with Justin Herbert. And Telesco's philosophy, Hustler, is the player deserves to get his value. But the player must understand, I have to retain money so I can put good players around that player getting his value. So that becomes a big issue as to whether it's $50 million for Justin Herbert, whether it's a lot deferred down road, how is it structured because the Chargers, they've got to add more players to put around the quarterback. I think their offense is going to be spectacular. I think their defense, as we sit here on a Wednesday afternoon, is really deficient because they've let so many guys go. So keep an eye on that. Uh, these guys are headed to the final year of their regular contract, and now's the time we're going to negotiate out the deal. I would think by opening day they'll both have contracts. Just how they're structured is the big burning question. Lee, speaking of quarterback situations, um, <laughs> Jimmy G goes to Oakland. Uh, it sounds like he's damaged goods. And what are the chances of a minority owner? What are the rules around a minority owner playing for a team that he's got a piece of? And you know who I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about TB12. I understand it. Uh, let, let's understand two things. Uh, Tom Brady, I think, is done with football. He is 45. I think the wear and tear factor has just finally collected its tolls at the booth on Tom Brady. And I think he's off into other ventures. I mean, he's becoming a part owner of the Raiders. He begins his, his work with the media, uh, with Fox. He is investing in a lot of different companies and firms. I, I think he goes to his next chapter of his life, much like Peyton Manning did. The Garoppolo thing is really weird. Uh, nobody's been able to d delineate whether the agent Don Yee was not truthful with Dave Ziegler, the Raiders general manager, when they were negotiating the deal. Did he know that Garoppolo might need another surgery on the foot? That never came up in the conversation. You know, they gave him an 11 million signing bonus. They gave him 11 million per year. Now this week, when the story finally leaks out that they had reservations and there were issues and he did have a second surgery on the foot, and he's not ready for camp, and they don't know what he'll be like in July. And that's why they, they flipped the contract over, and they took away. And, and the agent agreed to do this. 
The agent took away the 11 million signing bonus. He tacked it onto a salary. It'll be 22 million if Garoppolo is totally healthy, but it's not guaranteed. And that could be that at the end of the day, if Garoppolo fails his physical in July or has to go on injured reserve because he's not ready to play, they might release him. Now, that's stupid on the Raiders' part, <coughs> excuse me, unless the Raiders did not know that Garoppolo might still be damaged goods, because now the Raiders have no quarterback. I mean, they got Brian Hoyer, and they got the kid that they drafted late, uh, and they have, they have no established starting quarterback. Now, there may be some guys out there you could trade for, but the Raiders have really put themselves in a bad position, or did the agent put the Raiders in a bad position get, to get the contract for Jimmy G? Uh, I mean, we're sitting here almost June 1st. This story is far, far from complete nor told you know uh, and just while we're on with quarterbacks I, I want to focus in on the nfc south for a minute and i was just sitting here thinking that in the nfc south the longest tenured quarterback on opening day is going to be desmond ritter of the falcons who i think played what the last three games of last season you've got the number one overall pick in carolina Derek carr taking over with the saints and, of course, TB12 gone from Tampa and Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield going at it for the starting job. Uh, this has to be the most wide-open division in the entire league because I don't think anyone knows what we're going to get from any of these teams, Lee. Yeah, concur wholeheartedly. It's strange. Let me run through a laundry list because the OTAs are going on right now, and I'll just give you a, a, a quick response on each of them. Uh, the rookie quarterbacks obviously are under the spotlight. Uh, Bryce Young in Carolina is getting virtually all the snaps with the number one unit has done really well. I think they're really pleased with his growth. Now, nobody's talking about the fact he's a 190 pound quarterback that might get tossed around like a rag doll. But I firmly believe you put these guys in an NFL environment, weight training, nutrition, they'll be able to bulk them up as the season goes along, as long as they don't get them killed early. But so far, so good on, on Bryce Young. In Houston, I don't understand that C.J. Stroud has only taken about a third of the snaps with the number one unit. Davis Mills, the veteran who's not had a lot of success, I think his record's 5-22 as a starter, he's taken the bulk of the snaps in Houston with the number one unit. Where I would have thought they would have fast-forwarded crash course C.J. Stroud to be the starter. Now, maybe they're showcasing Mills because maybe they're going to trade him. Hell, maybe Mills winds up in... Las Vegas, if the Jimmy G story does not work out. The other weird one is Will Levis, who sat on the draft board that whole first night, and Levis wound up going to Tennessee later. Uh, he's, uh, he's third string. I don't understand how he could be third string after you spent a draft pick to get him on, the, on that second day. Uh, they've still got Ryan Tannehill under contract. They have the other number one pick they drafted from Liberty a couple years ago, who hardly played at all last year and it was not impressive. And the other storyline is in Indianapolis. Anthony Richardson has really been impressive in the Colts' workouts. I, and you and I, haven't we haven't done our notebook segment in a couple of weeks because I've been on the road and you were doing an autopsy on the Jets. But I will tell you that, that the kid is spending 11 hours a day in the facility with the other quarterbacks, with the offensive coordinator, and with the coaching staff. The kid is like a gym rat. And they've been really, really impressed. Now, going to... You know, they've implemented and put the offense in and all that. It'll be interesting just to see going forward how he's going to do when the bullets start flying for real in preseason. But of all, all the guys, Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson pretty much 
are really front and center. And in, in terms of the other situations, you got Derek Carr in New Orleans, who is kind of came in and, and grabbed the locker room by control, has really showed that he's got leadership capabilities. And in Tampa, they got Trask, the young guy, there may be the rental in Baker Mayfield, but Mayfield's been really impressive working on his own with their wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the tight ends, and then going into the OTAs and looking like he's ready for opening day. You know, he's got something to prove along the way, too. So a lot of a lot of really unique storylines involving quarterbacks around the league right now, including all those kids at the top of the draft board. No doubt about it. Hacks, always great having you on the program. Before we go, uh, who you got in the cup final and uh, who you got winning the NBA? Uh, I'll tell you what, I really like Las Vegas. Uh, I think they're so they're so good, so skilled. They are really deep. And obviously, new coaching staff has maybe changed the philosophy of things. Uh, a lot of respect for Florida to grind their way to get to this point in time. Uh, and in turn, the NBA, I'm so, just so fascinated by Jokic. You know, you look at the Joker and you think he's just a big oaf. You know, he doesn't run the floor real well. He can't jump. But dude has got peripheral vision it's unbelievable his passing skills are amazing you know in the playoffs andrew he's averaging 32 points 14 rebounds and 10 assists a game and everybody knows the offense runs through Jokic, and everybody defends Jokic, and Jokic still puts up those numbers so uh you know i'm an old aba guy and denver once upon a time had a great aba team you know the red white and blue basketballs and the cheerleaders in bikinis and three-point shots and slam dunk contest so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Denver. Great respect for Eric Spolster, what he has done over the many, many years with Pat Riley and how, how he's rebuilt this thing. Just don't know that Miami's got enough weapons to be able to defend all the stuff that Denver's going to throw at them, by the way, at altitude. Yeah, great, great point. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know you'll be all over the series in the, both sports, uh, offseason and much more. Fill people in on uh, what's cooking over at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Well, we write a ton of my website every day. It's all written, and now we have the new podcast, and it's your fault because you taught me how to do this. Our podcast is just blowing up. I don't know how it works. I do the content. I do the graphics. It works. It's absolutely amazing. And by the way, this must be true because it's out there on Twitter, and we always know that everything on Twitter is true, right? 100%. Uh, this trade, Boston Pizza, for me coming up for a couple days to host your show when you're on holiday, is that true? That it is on the table, and Lee, we've got some uh, of our favorite little brown jug suds for you. We'll have the 1919 uh, Rack of the Generic Lagers as well for you, so uh, it'd be great. It'd be great to get you up and actually to see the uh, the beasts of the West, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, get out to a game. Have you ever been to a CFL game? No, watched a lot of it on TV, never been north of the border when they've been playing because I've been broadcasting NFL games during that chunk of time, but uh, follow it all the time. We'd sure like to see more of the American college quarterbacks go to the CFL and, and find their you know niche and become something, because I still think the Canadian League offers a great alternative to those kids that are right on the brink, not good enough to be in the NFL, but good enough to play. But it's three-down football. It's really different. I've talked to a lot of guys that have gone up there, and it's yeah, it's, sometimes it's like walking on the moon for them. It's really hard. It's the unfinished business tour for the Bombers after losing that Grey Cup so narrowly and avoiding the uh, looking to do a three-peat. It all gets going for real a week Friday, and uh, I know you'll be able to catch those games south of the border. Lee, have a great one. Let's do this again soon. Be well. House Lord, catch up to you again. Be well. Thanks for the time. Good stuff. There is the man himself, the legendary Lee Hacksaw Hamilton.
with the uh, with the hacksaw notebook. Nothing better than that. Oh, he's got the saws out in the chat as well. Everyone loving a nice visit, midweek visit from Lee himself. Um, hey, uh, bomber game. As we said, for uh, Friday is the preseason game. A week Friday is the home opener. As I just mentioned to Lee, huge news from our friends at Little Brown Jug because the b- big news is blue and gold. Little Brown Jug excited to announce the beginning of a multi-year partnership with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, naming Little Brown Jug as an official partner. And what this means for you is that our Winnipeg's favorite local beer, the iconic 1919, is going to be available for Blue Bomber fans at the park beginning on Friday. Uh, Of course, if you want to try 1919, the generic, the rather everything that Little Brown Jug has cooking right now with a bunch of new beers for summer, you got to get down to the tap room over on William Avenue. Check out that amazing patio they built last year. And of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. And while you're getting ready for bomber season, how's your bomber gear looking? Well, before you head down to the university, step on over to Royal Sports at 750 Pembina, Manitoba's number one sports superstore, and uh, get your blue one. Uh, a ton of great bomber gear, including a number of exclusive pieces that you won't find anywhere else. Hats and more all ready for you just in time for the start of the season. Of course, while you're there, you can check out their huge jet selection, NHL, NFL, Blue Jays in Major League Baseball, international soccer, and so much more. And, of course, spring stocks arriving daily. Soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, a huge selection of disc golf gear as well, and portable targets to play wherever you're on the run. And, of course, a massive selection of bikes. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina. And the goalie show is coming back, I believe, the 23rd and 24th. Follow their Instagram for more details on that. But uh, if you've been waiting for the big goalie event, uh, it's back this year after being off for a few years because of uh, a certain thing that basically shut everything down over the course of that. Um, Got to thank our friends at Breezy Bend for their support. Uh, Course is just looking absolutely mint right now. What a great, great place to play. If you're thinking about making Breezy your long-term home for you and your family, get on that waiting list right now for next season. Give them a call, 895-7206. Talk to our pal Corey Johnson. He'll get you on that list and tell you more about what membership at Breezy is all about. And, of course, you can also find out more online at breezyben.ca. Memorial Tournament on the PGA Tour gets going tomorrow, hosted by the legendary Jack Nicholas. We did hit the picks for CoolBet on today's Lock Shop for the Memorial. Check that out on YouTube at Lock Shop Bets or Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite pods. And I do have to thank our friends at Aikens Lake. I cannot wait to get out there this year. Fishing season is back. If you're looking for a world-class getaway for a corporate trip or friends and family, uh, nowhere better than Aikens. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And as great as the world-class fishing is, the world-class hospitality is even better. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. And now uh, you can also hit them up on Twitter for more info. Uh, talk to our pal Pitt over at Aikens Lake. Uh, all right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, 
Reem, uh, no live racing tonight at Assiniboia Downs, but next week, Wednesdays are back. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. How uh, how did you make out last night at the track for uh, our head-to-head pick selections? Good. I need that Wednesday racing. Uh, I'm lost without it. I want to get revenge. Um, I did not do well yesterday. I was over. I was over three. My horse, Drizzy, finished third. I had put half of my uh, allotted wagering dollars for last night on Drizzy. Uh, the horse that won that race, I think it was a 30 to one or something. I couldn't believe Drizzy lost to such a long shot. So uh, I'm already scouting for next week, Hus, already for Monday. Excellent. I think I'm making an appearance at the track next week for sure before everything gets real crazy in June. I've got to get out there for that buffet. <laughs> and we'll have to plan another event with some of our listeners like we did last year. That was such a good time. I think who was won those tickets? Uh, T. Kona Pauly was there. Ooh, Bridget Kona... was there. Yeah, M. Sheldon was was there. Yeah, that's right. That was a lot of fun. So anyways, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. set something up uh, in the coming weeks. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is live racing now that uh, we've got through these first couple weeks of the season. Find out more online at asdowns.com for uh, for a little bit more. And hey, just before we get to our uh, the cool bet lines, because uh, there's lots going on right now, we should check in with the Gold Eyes and uh, tough start to their series last night in Rosemont, uh, dropping a uh, 3-2 run to, uh, oh, actually, that was an, a day game a little earlier today, losing 3-2 to the Chicago Dogs on a uh, bit of a getaway day. I love the Chicago it's Dogs. the best name the, and yeah, logo. Yeah, and the, and the great uniforms as well. Um, but anyways, Goldeye's finishing up this road trip into the weekend and then back at home for another homestand beginning on next Tuesday. Uh, and a week Saturday, the 10th, is the next fireworks night. So if you uh, do like to bring the family out when they're uh, banging the Archangel fireworks after the game, that's the day to do it. Of course, this weather every day is great when you're at the ballpark. Find out more at goldeyes.com on all their upcoming promotions. And, of course, you can uh, get tickets as well at goldeyes.com. All right. Uh, kind of slow right now for well hockey and basketball betting although unfortunately reem i did i was just kept on turning around keeping my eye on the tv uh leila annie fernandez just dropping a heartbreaker in the third set not advancing past the second round where she was hoping to join canadian bianca andreescu in moving on at roland garros yeah tsn they do have great coverage of of the majors and you know, whenever I turn on one of their five channels, and I'm sure more on their streaming has has it. So nice to see uh, Bianca advance. Uh, tough for Layla Annie Fernandez. So I'm looking forward. So Bianca's in action tomorrow morning, nine. Wait, is that yes, nine fifteen? So I will uh, I will be tuned into that as we get ready for the show. Yeah, I'm just kind of going down this list here. Yes, yeah, she's taken on uh, Navarro. Yes. Oh, and Bianca's a pretty big favorite. Minus 189 uh, for tomorrow after a big upset win a little earlier on. Seems like she's healthy, which is the number one concern mm-hmm. with Bianca uh, playing well, and she certainly does raise her it's... game coming up at the majors. Uh, Chapo, a winner earlier today 
in uh, his match to uh, continue moving on at Roland Garros as well. I was just going to add in, Bianca, she's battled injuries for so many years uh, just after what she won U.S. Open, um, you know, on and off the court, not even ranked. I, you know, I just type her into Wikipedia because I'm looking for the, you know, the match schedule. She's only 22 years old. Has turns 23 in oh, ju- in yeah. June. Seems like she's she's been around forever, but uh, is just getting started here. So, so she's having a birthday in two weeks, but uh, still young. And I see her healthy and putting up some wins. Yeah, well, tennis majors are back. We may have to hook up with John Horn over mm-hmm. the uh, next week or two to talk about what's going on. Great news for Chapo is he won. The bad news for Chapo, he didn't get a great draw <laughs> because he is a 16-to-1 underdog taking on number one seed Carlos Alcaraz Garcia of Spain, sort of the uh, next one after Rafa Nadal and the number one seed. Um, although it just went down a little bit. People are on Chapo now at plus 1350, just as I'm watching that number go down. Alcaraz went from minus 33-33 to still minus 2,500. A huge, huge favorite. Uh, as we mentioned, Stanley Cup playoffs get going on Saturday. Vegas a minus 133 favorite in game number one. And a minus 132 favorite for the series. Florida Panthers plus 112 for the series and plus 112 on the road in game number one. And as far as the NBA playoffs, the Nuggets are massive favorites against the Miami Heat. Minus 382 for the series. Heat to win. Another big upset. Can they keep it rolling? Plus 285. Not quite the plus 405 they were to beat the Celtics, but pretty damn close. I'm actually liking Denver in four or five games for this one. So we're going to get uh, plus 140 on Nuggets. Minus two and a half for the series. And of course, as I mentioned, the Memorial Tournament begins tomorrow. Two clear favorites. Scotty Scheffler at plus 650. John Rahm at plus 750. Patrick Cantley at 11 to 1. Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley, the only two other players lower than 20 to 1. They're both at 15. Uh, and we do have an exclusive we put together from the Lockshop Partner Parlay. We've got two, actually. One is for the two finals. Denver Nuggets minus two and a half, as I mentioned. So Nuggets to win in four or five. And the Stanley Cup final to go over five and a half games. So six or seven in the finals. That one is now at plus 285. And we do have a lock shot bet for the partner parlay. It's 10 to one. Patrick Cantlay, top 10. Ricky Fowler and Tyrrell Hatton, both to be in the top 20. That one is plus 1,000. That is live as well. Over with our friends at CoolBet. And by the way, if you are a big CFL fan, uh, we're getting more and more individual season player props for the year in the CFL section. So get on over to that. Ad. D- Dusty and I are going to spend a little bit of time with a few of our favorites on tomorrow's lock shop. As uh, We won't have one on Fridays. He'll be traveling in, getting ready to broadcast the Bombers, and the Riders from IG Field. Dusty, that's awesome. Uh, nice to see him back. He's basically like the TV play-by-play voice of the Bombers uh, most uh, of the time. Much. <laughs> he's doing. He's a lot here, so I have to hook up with him at some point. But, yeah, he's clicking on the props. I'm getting ready for CFL Fantasy. They got Dalton shown here over 12, 1,200 yards. Can he, can he repeat his season? And there's, I mean, Kenny Lawler's there now. I'm not... I'm curious how this is all going to work out. That's an interesting 
one. But yeah, some great. Oh, there's Nick Dembski receiving yards, nine fifty. Like, who's gonna get all these yards? What's Kenny Lawler's? A thousand? Like, you'd have to take over on Kenny Lawler, a thousand uh, yard season, right? I might take under on everybody. To just be because, honest, yeah, that's not because bad. guys can get hurt. And then the other thing is that with this, like with the lineup that they've got with Schoen, with Dembski, mm -hmm. with Kenny Lawler, I mean, there's only so many balls to go around. <laughs> and I mean, if you are as confident in the Bombers being a winning team as I am, a lot of times you're probably not even in passing situations. So I think the stats might take a hit, of, a bit of a hit. I don't think they'll take a hit in the win column right now. But uh, anyways, check all those out. Hey, before we go, um, some Jets offseason news. There's nothing you enjoy <laughs> more than checking Instagram for the latest on what Jets are doing. And this is actually technically now, I guess, a former Jet. But Leon Gavanka flashing the silver medal from that incredible run that he and the Germans had. And he, of course, played a big, big role in that for his, uh, for his homeland. Yeah, well, let me switch accounts so I can pull it up because I don't follow him on my personal account, but I follow him on the Winnipeg Sports Talk account for for work purposes. But, yeah, shout out to Leon Gavanka. I mean, he left the Jets. He had that article where he said he, what, ripped his ass open for the team. Yeah. Is that Was that the line? That's a, that, was the, that was the quote from the German paper, yeah. According <laughs> to Google Translate. So he's – but he won the silver medal, and – Shout out to Germany. I know, like, when you get the silver medal after losing, um, it was kind of a tough uh, situation there. But, hey, uh, good for them. I don't know how many medals they've won at the world. I don't think it's too many. But, I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment, beating uh, Team USA on the way there. So uh, he was uh, having their party here, and I'm going to pull it up here. Leon Gavanka. Can I put – is this – what's the etiquette? He's got a private Instagram account, Huss. You have to be approved to follow him. I follow him on the Winnipeg Sports Talk. He approved us. Uh, he's got 5,000 followers. Can I show this on our stream, or is that Yeah, yeah, is that I, I think so. I mean, as long as it's not a uh, – I mean, I think he posted it for a reason. I'm pretty sure he's somewhat proud of the silver medal, thus the social media post. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's uh, any violation or foul. Okay, just wanted to – yeah, here, there he is. Oh, is that uh, with Big Mo Cider? Yeah. So that's Man, what I would do to get that guy on the Jets. He's a solid player, so. And you have to, uh, Germany, you remember Germany? They uh, almost won the gold at the Olympics against uh, OAR in Pyong, was that Pyeongchang? OAR. <laughs> remember that? The Olympic I mean, athletes from Russia? That's correct. So, I mean, Germany, they're an up and coming hockey nation. They didn't even have Leon Dreisaitl in there. So, uh, shout out to Leon Gavanka, former member of the. Jets organization. Yeah, you uh, got it. Now, there was one other thing that uh, we wanted to get to. Oh. I just seen this from the notes. So explain this to me. The Jets have put some playoff hoodies on sale on the okay. eBay store. Fill yeah. me in on this. Okay, so the Jets have this eBay store, and we went over it after the series versus Vegas where you could have bid on. We talked about buying the Michael Amadio puck that he scored the overtime winner in and blowing it up. Although I don't yes. think you can, I don't think pucks are destructible. I looked it up; it's really hard. And they had with the Adam Lowry game time goal puck. You could have bought those. So now, I guess they're clearing out the locker room, and you can go on their eBay store. Would you want to get a Dylan Demello locker room worn hoodie from this playoff year? I don't know. It's got number two on it. I don't know if that that yeah. would fit. I have to I have to find the right guy that fit. Like where's Axel Janssen Fialbi's hoodie? I think I could squeeze into his. 
<laughs> do you want the who else? Neil, who else do we have? Neil Pionk's hoodie. You want Neil Pionk's locker number four? Locker room worn number four. There's Dylan. You can get his. Oh, Nemestikov's hat. Oh man, what a trade deadline pickup he was. I would get actually get that. I could wear it on the show. Us be like, hey, this is a Vlad Nemestikov worn hat. So the Jets Does it say what sizes they are. That one's adjustable. I'm assuming it's one. One size fits all, but yeah, there's Nemestikov's hoodie. Yeah, the, uh, oh, the hoodies. Does it say what size the hoodies are? Oh, I don't know. Let's see the Vlad Nemestikov hoodie. We'll just click on the description. Like, how awesome would this be to have in your personal collection? This is like you could go look at the press conferences and like say, "Hey, that's he wore that in that press conference. I own that hoodie. How awesome would that be?" Where's the Bones hoodie from the year end? From the oh. year-end post uh, <laughs> post Game Five press conference, is that available? <laughs> I want to buy the jacket he was wearing for the yeah for the post game <laughs> after Game Five. Okay, a so, piece of Winnipeg Jets history. Okay, so Vlad is a size large, has screened on playoffs graphics, uh, the May shown signs of use. Um, I'm Beautiful. not sure if I could like pick it up from the office. Then I could, because shipping shipping items, I've learned I've had to ship out Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies available on our store on our website. It's not cheap to ship out a hoodie. I wonder if they would let me go pick it up. I don't know. Are the people from the Jets listening probably. to this? I, I'm sure you could probably pick it up at the pro shop or something. I should call. Like I should email them hey, to find out. Do me out. a favor. Check that. What size is the Brendan Dillon? Who are you the want biggest the Dillon? players? Yeah. Well, what about Saku? You want the, Saku's a big dude. Yeah, okay, we'll check them both. Oh, there's Lowry's we'll Lowry's hoodie. His is going for for more. People have bid on. Oh that. yeah, Gustafson. What about we should get Ken the Gus Bus one as a gift? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a great idea. Oh, Carson. Oh, Ken's a big J. Ken's big J. He yeah. could never. He, he could, could ne- never be in possession of any sort of uh, something that would seemingly to yeah um, compromise. His big J integrity. Ken's got, yeah, Ken's too much of a professional to rock a Gus Bus locker room worn hoodie. But there's Appleton, <laughs> Blake Wheeler. Oh, what? Someone's got Blake Wheeler. That's got, that's got a bid. Who bids on Ehlers? Locker room worn as he was getting ready to prepare to play for game. How long are these uh, things being bid till? Um, the hoodies have like two days and five hours left, so there's not a lot of time. Not a lot of time left. Riddick, locker room. Oh, there's Axel's hat. They got that. Oh, what about this one? Oscar Os- Salmon. And remember, but did he back up for a game? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's and the Oscar <laughs> Salmon and locker room worn playoff hoodie. Oh, there's Hellbuck. Man, oh, there's a lot of hats. Ooh. Like, did the hats? Here's Kyle Connor's hat. Did the hats have like a number on them? Hello, Buck 152. I'm not sure. I don't know if it does. It's just, it, are we just going to trust the Jets that this is Kyle Connor's hat? Oh, no, it says it's got a little 81 there in the corner. Oh, yeah, there it is. Cool. That's pretty cool, actually. And it's got oh, the playoff I, I, logo. I thought those are nice. I didn't like the bills on those hats very no, much. No, this this bill is, is dumb. I don't but like it either. Everything else is uh, pretty cool. Again, it's only 30 bucks, though. So Yeah, no, I know for locker room nice. worn apparel, I would pay $30. I'm going to check the, I'm gonna have to put the link in the chat in case okay, people, I'll put, want to, uh, people want to check it out. Here's the link in the chat. I uh, will be checking ben, it out. Ben Howard says he's going to bet. He's posted in our – we have a Discord 
server has where people who are in the chat we can chat you know when we're not live and there's a memorabilia section he's posted some good stuff in the memorabilia section i've added some stuff in there too so fun way for us to stay connected uh but here i'll post it in the chat oh samberg's slamberg's hoodie shifley's hoodie's going for a bit interesting to see who gets bid on too nino absolutely big oh here you want big stan what size you want to know what size his hoodie is yeah What's what's big Stan? He's probably a double X. It's that big. He's XL. Why are you gonna rock one? Because I know you have yeah. that game worn party jersey. This would be nice to add to your game, collection. To go along with my game worn game worn party. Vlad's uh, large. <laughs> this is our off season. You know, it's mid June or not even June, and this is what we're talking about. Oh, here's Axel's hoodie. I could rock an Axel. We have room in the WST budget for this one. Oh man, uh, yeah, that might be a personal. That might he, be a personal. Uh, personal he's a large. <laughs> Imagine uh, to open open in the show, and you're wearing one of these hoodies for the next one. I would be down. I'm definitely going to check it out. See what we've got there. Arvid but, uh, Holm. In the meantime, the the Arvid Holm. The, okay. I I just laughed. The Oscar Salmonen, who has never played in a game, but does have a. Uh, there's he a was movie. in the locker room. Dubois. Here's PLD's hoodie. Be, He's an XL. That could be the last thing Dubois does. Is that might be the last piece of Jets thing that he took off. In fact, exactly. I think that would he'd want to have that. <laughs> it's an artifact, artifact from uh, from the old days. Uh, all right. Anyways, oh. good stuff today. Uh, thanks to Billick, Hacksaw, <laughs> and uh, really enjoyed having uh, Rod Peterson on the show today. Um, of course, not much going on tonight. We got Blue Jays and the Milwaukee Brewers. We got some tennis happening. Uh, tomorrow, NBA Finals get going, and then Saturday night, Game 1, Las Vegas and the Florida Panthers going at it for hockey's holy grail. We'll uh, get ready for bomber season as well. Ken's going to join us tomorrow, so we will have some more Jets offseason talk. Brandon's going to join us on Friday when some of the fellows are out on the golf course. And, of course, we'll also get ready for the Cup Final. Mike Zeisberger is going to join us in the next couple days. He had a really interesting piece, one-on-one interview with Matthew Kachuk at NHL.com. And uh, we'll also talk a little Bombers ahead of the game on Friday to finish up the preseason for Winnipeg hosting Saskatchewan. Thanks again to everyone that was with us today. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that thumbs up on your way out. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where to find us live every day at 1 o'clock here on YouTube. And we'll look forward to catching you tomorrow afternoon. Enjoy the weather, everyone. Have a great afternoon, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.